0: He wants us to play attractive football. Wants us, you know, to get the crowd in our feet. Support has been
1: magnificent, and singing. My name, but I'm happier just singing about the players.
2: Will it be another Stephen Kenny loving this international window? We've got the best coverage and analysis right here on OTB Sports Radio. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your
3: flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with Exfoliating Bar.
0: Hello, good morning and welcome along to a Friday's OTB AM. Adrian with you until 10 this morning. Owen Sheehan, good morning to you. Good morning, Adrian. How's life? Very well. How are you getting on? I'm flying it and uh, was catching up with some of the football last night. I happily was putting the kids to bed, to bed for most of it and then caught about the last half hour, which was ideal as it turns out as the goals started to flow in some cases and not in others. We'll come to that in a second. What sort of a weekend does it feel like? It's a rarity that Kerry are playing such a high profile game and really not much to play. For, not much to. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Not much rested on the outcome for them.
4: Yeah yeah and uh, obviously the the opponents in town are are thrown who have everything to play for really they're fighting for their lives there's a a real possibility that they could get relegated and then i guess the flip side of that is the context of what happened last year and mm. uh, i know you've probably got a a bit of ammunition on that front this morning but there is uh, definitely a lot of pain around the uh, th- what, what Tyrone inflicted last year. So there's, there's every incentive to, to try and relegate them from a carry perspective, I'd imagine. We won't know until we see the team sheet. I think the team sheet will show exactly the intention that they have. I suspect it'll be somewhere in the middle though, about five changes from the first choice team. Uh, they're already in the league final. I think at the moment though, they need to keep winning games. They're going to play this game. They're going to play the league final. And then they won't play uh, an, an excellent team again until possibly an All-Ireland quarterfinal or even a semi-final so uh, these games are you can make an argument that they're important
0: For like classic GEA reasons in the context of this one in that uh, Sean has talking this morning in some of the newspapers and he's saying that Kerry people are going to be begging for blood uh, to relegate um, Tyrone. Um it's like look I, there's obviously a long sort of storied and not always going Kerry's way history to this thing Um does it give it that extra element? Do you think, like, is it is it the sort of thing that in the dressing room beforehand, you know, the Kerry lads are like, listen, let's put these boys back in their backsides for the next decade, or whatever the butchering the potty of fra- O'Shea phrase there.
4: Hmm, I wonder. I'm not sure. I think that that would be a, kind of like a... That, would that be overly vindictive? Would that be giving... The ammunition back to the opponents if, Oof, there to a, wow. if there were to be a meeting later in the summer, I, I, I don't about know about the
0: reverse era. That's I've just I've just discovered the double era there. Like well,
4: wow. I think that what what we've potentially seen though uh, so far under Jack O'Connor is that he's uh, he's pretty ruthless man, and he's he's shown that in terms of the way he he's gone about his business this year. So will that ruthlessness exist in on Sunday? I see no reason to question that that, that it won't. So, yeah, that, I I would guess that, that will be a part of it. And I think also the fact is that Theron have have just had some bad days in Clarny. Like Sean Kavanaugh obviously has a, a bee in his bonnet about Kerry, to say the it least. It's not just to do with his tête-à-tête with Pat Spillane on television last year. It goes back to him coming down to Clarny in 2012 and being... Pissed off and annoyed with the Kerry fans applauding them, getting on the team bus, going out. He thought they were being patronised by uh, the the home support. Remember that was that was that was an interesting take on on that particular uh, afternoon. So so he, he he doesn't like the place. I don't think he's got much time for Kerry, and that's great. That's 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 a great uh, legacy of the rivalry that definitely existed throughout the two thousands.
0: The feeling is mutual, of course.
4: Yeah, completely, completely. Um, in fairness, I, I I don't think that there is, like, I, I think if, if you're talking about any sort of fan rivalry or anything like that, I don't think that there's ever been much of a, a hatred or anything. It's just completely on the pitch and in, and in those sort of 70, 80 minutes.
0: Yeah. Um, and, like, the thing is that even though there is a bit of the after the Lord Mayor show, show about it from a Kerry point of view and that there's not really anything on the line for them, but the... Tangible. There's actually quite a tangible nature to relegating Tyrone. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's actually it's become almost more significant than just a run of the middle league game in the sense that like relegating them would would be a bit of a like a real blow to them, wouldn't it? Like in terms of,
4: I, I think so. Yeah, to be. I, I, I don't.
0: I don't know how much it impacts on them this year necessarily because they could still come right. They're still in the conversation as one of the five teams that could possibly win the All Ireland. Yeah, but almost for next year it's uh, it's putting them back in the back sides of it yeah I'd, I'd
4: agree with that it'd be kind of like a screw you to, to if they managed to relegate them on Sunday and I don't think anybody would be too disappointed about it the, the other very and this is a very small element that, that plays into it on Sunday is that this is uh, I guess Kerry's send off match they probably won't play at home again for the rest of the year mm. uh, given the way the Munster draw is there's a possibility they will but they probably won't they'll probably go to Cork then I think it's to, to possibly Clare in the Munster final, and obviously Crow Park all the way home. So this will be the last under actually at home uh, this year. So maybe there's that element of listen one la- one last time and carry before things before things happen.
0: Patronising to me, all it's send off a, a little
4: bit. But I, I do think that the, the incentive is definitely greater for Tyrone on Sunday. So if they don't win, I think that's probably another. Uh, another feather in the cap of, of what this Kerry team has done so far
0: this year uh, we should watch with interest uh, and I also note with interest it's the only place that I see it is reported on the back page of the Irish Daily Mirror this morning from Pat Nolan GEA imposed blanket ban on all media over to you Croker as players pull out of Championship launches so this is basically uh, a widening and an extension of the ban that was already in place um, and it's it's obviously the next step in the track. Tom Parsons and the GPA have felt that this is the step they need to take to force the GA into some sort of an action, that the 65 cent a mile for four sessions isn't enough, limiting it to 32 players in the squad isn't enough, and this is the latest thing that they're feeling is the right thing to do on the road to forcing the GA uh, to make a decision on this. The evidence so far would suggest that the GA aren't really for turning on... Uh, They're not returning yet with that specific ploy, which is interesting to see that, well, we're going to double down on it as opposed to try something different.
5: Mm.
4: Yeah, because that that was definitely a very reasonable criticism of how this thing has gone over the last little while that players have shied away from, not shied away from, but have have decided not to speak to to the media at all, when that could have been one of the avenues where they could have voiced... Mm their concerns about the current situation. This would have been another avenue that they could have used to voice their concerns and they're cutting it off. But the contradiction here is that some of these commercial events that they'd have been speaking at would have contributed to the back pockets of some of these players. The very thing that the argument is about is the back pockets of these GA players uh, being lightened because of the fact that they're paying a little bit more uh, to to, to train, essentially. So it, it is unusual that this is the next step, but then you also have to consider what else... Could they do? It seems that they're dancing around the subject of of actually actual strike action here, uh, yeah. which would be the thing that would really hurt the GEA. I'd I'd like to I'd like to see uh, some sort of audit done on how much the pre championship launches actually contribute to the GEA economy. Mm. I dare say not very much i i could probably count them on hands the, the number of extraordinary headlines that've actually been gotten from those championship launches over the last 5 years for example and a lot of them would have been at club level so the, the platitudes the boring interviews are not going to happen and that's the thing that's changed as a result of of this
0: so yeah. not very much um yeah, look, at it. it's going to be fascinating to see how it all plays out, and it's, it is hard to see. It is difficult. I, it is difficult from the GPA's point of view. It's difficult from Tom Parsons' point of view because, like, you you talk about like what's the next option, and you don't want to burn up all your lifelines because ultimately that doesn't. It's not going to reflect well on him if ultimately he has to play the what's the ultimate lifeline phone a friend card. Then that's gone. So that's that's his last neg- negotiating policy. It ultimately starts to threaten his position as the head of the GPA in the sense that, like, he's played all his cards, and if that doesn't come off, he's going to look like a bit of a dead duck. So, like, there is there—it's a bit of jeopardy now at the minute, and you don't want to yep. put all your cards on the table. To continue the analogy, um, and it will be fascinating to see how it plays out from here. But as I said, like, I don't know if the GPA haven't shown any appetite to move with basically what what they've done already this is just an extension of that I'm not sure what would change other than like a strike, and the other point about it like it being your last lifeline, it isn't the g p a would tell us it isn't the most important issue affecting players, which is obviously in relation to player burnout. so if you are going to use that strike card for this, then what do you do when it comes to uh, trying to affect change in that regard so like the, the the thing the other thing
4: we should probably say here is that when it comes to some of these commercial events the g e a do run them. Mm. That's not just going to be, I don't know, Avonmore or whatever who who, who runs the, the commercial event. The GEA themselves often run their yeah. own uh, media events, so I guess that's what they're looking at. They're like, well, we're not going to cooperate with with your set of things here. So they're looking at all the ways that the relationship exists between the players and how the GEA sweat the asset that is the players. So they're trying to cut down on that, like. I do think that it's It's not even close to some of the other sports. Like, I mean, when you've got, if you look at, say, professional American sports and media availability in the week of a game, it's just on a completely different level to, say, GAA anyway. So cutting off that access... I mean doesn't do very much because I don't think GM media access has been very forthcoming anyway. Yeah, it's and
0: like, as you say it's often I mean there's an interview Lee Keegan coming up later on and it's well worth watching and it got into the band. Yeah, came yeah in. like but um no, and the, and like look, uh it's that's that's is, is as it, as it as it is, but uh whether it is enough to change the game really I think is your point. It's it'll be interesting to see. And like look at there are there are obviously the pinch point is when you start to put the pressure on the brands that are associated with the GA and paying to be associated yeah. with the GA. When they have to start calling and going, "Listen, could you just do that little thing?" Because it's really causing us a bit of a headache over here. That's the one that's uh, ma- yeah, that's a fair point. The game
4: and and in fairness, the, the the week of a game, you probably will have your brand splashed on the back page. Like mm. it, especially in the summertime, if there if there's no Premier League or, or rugby to contend with, those albeit uh, mediocre interviews that get done in the build-up still dominate the headlines because you've got a star of a team uh. Uh, speaking, which is a, a rarity, and uh, the, your brand will, will invariably be on the back page of the newspaper. So that exposure is gone in this setup. So, yeah, I, I, I guess I can, I can see why it's done, but uh, I think there'll be plenty of questions about what the actual impact would be. I think Phone a Friend, by the way, is the worst lifeline. I think that that's. I think that's really. Ask the ask the audience is the fifty fifty, uh, and ask oh, the audience ask are the definitely
0: audience, better. They haven't a clue, like. But if you this, use it this, if you use it early 50?
4: enough, it's a guaranteed win. Like if you use it before eight thousand, you're probably yeah. going
0: to be fine. Phone a friend. But that's your. That is your. Is is this a reflection on your friends? Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Uh, is like that is that is the surely everybody. I'm,
4: by the way, I think, we, sorry, the, the, the new lifelines, of course,
0: is Ask Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah, that's yeah, terrible. that's a great one. I think that's a great one. I really think that's a great one. I mean, I I've really warmed to him, I have to say, since the oh, Clarkson's Farm stuff. Did you watch that? No, I didn't. I, well, look at it. There you go. I read a review of it, and they were like, it started, the review started out saying, I know, I know, I know. Okay. He is a pain in the hole. But Clarkson's Farm is charming, and it's not... Most of the charm is not to be fair about him, but it has me like, and like he's a you know, uh, he has a lot of interesting world views, but uh, I'm sort of back in the Jeremy Clarkson train,
4: right? Interesting, I didn't know you were ever offered in the first place, to be honest. I, I, it's not, it's of no (laughs) surprise to me whatsoever that you're uh, a Jeremy Clarkson fan.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm, I, the, the, connotations there on are desperate welcome to our YouTube audience by the way um, who had the first five minutes or so without us and plenty of um, hilarious comments coming in off the back of that on that it would be uh, Dara O'Toole good morning to you Dara saying that it would be a great setting to add as in the silence automatically silencing us uh, when there's a, a code red Yara alert that's a good shout there might actually, have been a yeah. earlier. that's a very good idea but you missed it almost saying exciting. that general then, is
4: probably the best way forward missed
0: it earlier on almost saying they don't care about Tyrone they're uh, blot in the cap book not even contenders for the All-Ireland I think you said if I am paraphrasing correctly that's it you just saw me miming um, so the football last night was off the charts Gareth Bale, Gareth Bale is still a really good footballer it turns out we just don't get to see him play that often um, and he did score a couple of crackers last night and Wales are suddenly within uh, whisker of getting to the World Cup Italy obviously is a big story arising from from the games last night. And they were kind of. I did read somewhere this morning, they had like 32 shots on goal. I didn't see what North Macedonia had. I'm assuming it wasn't anywhere north of about five or six. Um, but obviously, they did manage to uh, get the 1 0 win, get themselves into the final round of the playoffs. There's great fuss about it. They're playing Portugal, am I right? In the. Yeah, in the, yeah. so like. In I mean, Porto. Fair, fair, fair play to them for getting that far.
4: Yeah. I need to actually check these uh, stats on the Italy game that you're that you're bringing up here because um, it did like kind of felt at times that like okay this is a a slight battering but it's not necessarily yeah thirty two shots you're you're spot on but only five of them on target right is, is actually the, the stat I was looking for there we we rarely see thirty two shots for one team in the Premier League but in terms of the possessions like close to seventy percent five shots on target it's not too dissimilar to a, a top of the Premier League table versus the bottom of the Premier League table um, match-up. The, the thing with Italy is obviously, as the statistic shows you, is their shot selection was so bad. If you look at the highlights, all it is is just a collection of Berardi shooting from outside the box uh, in efforts that the, the, the North Macedonian goalkeeper is always going to save or ones that sailed over the crossbar. He's probably going to become public enemy number one. But the real villain last night was Jorginho for complaining as the ball is being struck and put into the bottom corner of the net about this supposed handball. Uh, uh, committed by the the, the North Macedonian goal scorer Uh, just it it looks so bad in slow motion when he's controlling the ball and Jorginho kind of slows his run puts his hand up and Mm. is like referee close down the man and you go straight to extra time because even just at a split second just allows him to get the shot away and I'd, I'd like to see the XG and what that shot was I presume it's point zero two or something like that it's yeah, it, it, it's, it. it's it's a 1 in 10,000 yeah. sort of uh, uh, shot and it was just an incredible moment like a it's nowhere near this is on a completely different scale to it but it kind of reminded me of just that bizarre goal that Sheriff scored against Real Madrid to beat them in the Champions League earlier on this season uh, that got them nowhere this gets North Macedonia within a game of the Euros a very very tough game uh, admittedly but I don't think anybody saw them winning last night we had Paddy Agnew on the show yesterday and he says this is not a hangover from the Euros whatsoever they've actually been okay there's just been a couple of aberrations as it turns out, there's possibly deeper deeper problems there. Uh, uh, again, though, they're not the first team who have won a Euros and, and failed to qualify for the World Cup after it, like Czechoslovakia failed to do so. Greece in 2004 obviously weren't at, at Germany in 2006. So it happens. But this is Italy. This is the first time they've not made a World Cup in, in back-to-back times. North Macedonia don't have Goran Pandev anymore. Um, and they're, they're, like, it's, uh, it's, it's a huge shock and it's a disaster for Italy there's yeah. there's no way of painting it otherwise yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah and uh, and it was, it was i wasn't sure last night because the the both games ended to start out of time around the same time the listen to this the commentary around the uh, Wales match it was uh, you know it was like oh and to be fair Wales did not nearly get a third and make it 3-0 and that obviously would have been sort of it wrapped up but it was very much like a Wales are sailing to the line here and suddenly Austria you get a goal and I don't know it was like 15-20 minutes to go and it's sort of all on and there was a bit of a shout for a penalty for Wales as well later in the game um, the sleeve rule um, it was a clear did you see it it was like a clear mm hand to ball motion but the sleeve rule apparently ruled it out but there was all this drama going on and they were both sort of uh, ticking towards the end of, uh, at uh, a time at the end of the game, and I wasn't sure quite which one to get on, but it was Italy, North Macedonia all day long, and uh, I don't know. Look, we you, you always find yourself uh, in the mornings after these games going, well, if only Ireland could just, like, a little bit of that over there yeah. and a little bit of that in the other place, and look, at, I don't know, it's probably not really about that um, from our point of view this uh, this week. But yeah, Gareth Bale, and he he. I saw somewhere where he said... Um, the most important game of his career, or something like that. Was that, I mean, again, I know I'm throwing things at you this morning. Where you no, like, I think I think I, he was you've asked. D- that. You've done good fact checking already.
4: I think he I think he was asked that directly. I think I think uh, I, I heard that clip on, on Sky Sports News this morning. he Was like, is this the most important night of your career? So I think he was kind of pushed into saying that. Okay, oh, is, he, yeah, he, he, yeah, he sure. might have said it in, in a couple of places that I might have missed, but I would say that I mean, beating Belgium is the most important night of his career. Like that is the the, the peak of this yeah. this Wales team uh, to get back there. Uh, like, like to qualify in this format is, is incredibly exciting though, it must be said. Like these one legged affairs, obviously they're they're playing at home in their in their final and that's gonna be a, a hell of an evening if they qualify. So the thing is Wales have had a had a collection of, of nights that they can choose from. Like they like if you're talking about being envious at North Macedonia like, I mean in fairness they've had the the nations lead to thank for a bit of that. The 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 nation we should be really envious of is, is Wales and the, they're going through their you know if Ireland went through their golden period in the, the 1990s Wales has certainly experienced that in the last 7 8 years and like it's it is a golden generation there's no question about it yeah, we went with the likes of Ramsey and Bale and I think sometimes if we just need to just remember how good Gareth Bale still can be, and it's a, it's a mental thing that has stopped him from being consistently one of the best players in the world. But at Messi, for a time during Messi and Ronaldo's peak, he was the third best player
0: in the world. It's wild that his career is just petering off the way, and every year on year, because he if he wasn't doing that for Wales, you just go, "Ah, Grant, he's sort of at the end of his career, and doesn't make anyway." He should be playing regular football for a top team.
4: Yeah, and like I, I guess we did see glimpses of him being brilliant for Tottenham when he came back to the Premier League last season. And then also other games where he was crap. And it's just because he's just not that bothered sometimes. And he's lost a little bit of interest, it seems, at that level but he obviously doesn't, uh, he's not affected by that whatsoever for his country because it matters so much to him and he re- he's like desperately interested in, in Wales qualifying for these competitions. So uh, when you see him in that sort of full flow, it actually is a, it's a brilliant sight to watch. He's a phenomenal player and as you say, both of the goals last night, it wasn't just a free kick, both of the goals were
0: sublime. Yeah, 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 yeah. beautifully taken. MOC on YouTube says two shots on target, two shots off target for North Macedonia and uh, Connell Foynes says Macedonia were full value for their 1-0 win I, you know what you I, having I'm,
4: I'm having that because like if, if if you're watching a team completely try and uh, pot shot you all night you're going to sit back and be like this is fine like mm. you can see I know that there's Italy are to blame a little bit for a lack of accuracy but if you've got 32 shots and 5 of them are on target there is something badly wrong in how you're actually selecting to take your shots it's, and, and I think Matt only were happy enough to just sit back
0: um, it's also uh, there's, a, there's a lot of interesting stories across the papers this morning I mentioned a couple of them already but Martin Samuels in the uh, Daily Mail in his column this week uh, today writing about, makes a good point about the nice words, I don't know if you saw this Harry Kane was out. He did a piece with Dan Rowan that I saw during the week with the BBC and he was talking about like lots of nice words about the situation in guitar and about England going to the World Cup and how they've been internally educating themselves on the human rights situation and the oppression and they've, they're in a better position to know about this stuff and to speak about it and uh, I just thought Martin Samuels it's good stuff to say about it today that ultimately it was just words, and that uh, you know, look at on the face of it. there's going to be a lot of ringing of hands now, right? Like over the next number of months and into the World Cup, there's going to be players, coaches, everybody in and around those teams that have qualified for the World Cup are going to be ringing of hands, looking at shoelaces, and sort of half apologetic about having to be out there. But we're going to go and educate ourselves, and everybody's going to have nice things to say about. Uh, even I think FIFA are at it now. They're talking to Amnesty about, um, about the situation over there that suddenly they've realized actually this is not, uh, oh, this isn't what we bought into, which seems slightly bizarre. But, um, yeah, he, I, it's, it, It struck me from reading his comments about the nice words and ultimately them being totally meaningless. Like they're going out to play a World Cup there and ultimately, like, it's all come to light obviously over the last couple of months in terms of the value of sports washing. Um, But that as a society, how we're led, we are led into these situations by these organisations repeatedly, who, the organisations who themselves have shown to have um, operated in fairly dubious Manners to award these tournaments to various um, despot countries around the around the globe. We're led into it like there's nothing we can do about it, and we suddenly find ourselves in a position where we're going to have a World Cup in a country like Qatar, and um, it's it it almost brings you back to that situation of like what you know what is the end point of that? These bodies are never going to self regulate themselves anyway, and um, it brings you back to the question about. I saw it brought up somewhere else during the week. I should have I should have uh, made a note to quote it this morning, but about that idea of some sort of a body that's independent to FIFA and UEFA and um, all the international sports, at least as a start, the Olympic organisation, the whole lot of it, as some sort of a moral guide. I know that sounds... I can't... I, I know there's going to be 10 comments coming in going about how woke we all are, but some sort of... A, and The moral guide is a very loose terminology around it. You'd have to set up some sort of parameters. But something... That's a touch an agreed touch point. They'd all have to sign up to it, of course, which is the great difficulty here. But some sort of an agreed touch point as a filter before Qatar gets to the World Cup, where there is some sort of a body that has the right to veto and say that ain't happening because Or Newcastle. Exactly. Test. Um like the remit and the scope of it, you look you could only imagine it would put the GPA and the GP and the GEA's uh, tete à tete in the halfpenny place, but there has to be. I think I can't see any other situation than removing the control for the, these. De- the ultimate uh, arbiter of the decisions can't sit within the organisations. It just can't.
4: Does that not just? become a situation like WADA for example where you have this independent global anti-doping body and I guess on a more local level people can do whatever the hell they want as long as people get in line. I, I guess it's different it's less secretive. I think it uh, is different. Like the, it, I'm not for one second equating these two things but when you say an independent global body that's, that's something that obviously that they had to had to do in the the, the fight against doping because obviously there's a bit of a, a jingoism and, and a nationalistic sense of we need to win medals. Uh, this is obviously completely different on, on a far more important scale as well and um, uh, i 'm just not sure though if if, if there 's anything that you could do on that level that would that would be able Here, to take away the bottom line, which is uh FIFA made a commercial decision and getting this thing i I
0: understand entirely that the words out of my mouth are so naive they're childlike comments they totally are I, I, I they are I totally accept that they are based in La la land right the idea that FIFA would sit down and go. Give me that charter. I'm going to sign up to it without including some sort of a, ultimately we have the veto. But like the reason I would say it's different from WADA is that that body takes the Newcastle ownership proposition in front of them. They look at it for half an hour. They pretend they're doing work for a couple of weeks and they, 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 they lash together a one line email in response. And they say, hey, no, that can't happen because of this. Who would the
4: high sparrow of your of this organization oh, be? I don't
0: know. That's that is the next Friday's question, and I will give it some thought in the meantime. But
4: the Dalai Lama, in, or in
0: an Irish context, right? Somebody like Gary O'Toole,
4: yeah. Like I mean,
0: yeah. Like I'd say, say it, right? Like somebody who we to, can trust.
4: You know, like coming out, like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think. I mean, <laughs> I get
0: very specific, but I mean, that's very. That's. That, that I'm it, just that, saying that that that's that person who we know and trust, and you know, isn't going to do with Aang Sang Su Chi and us down the track, is what I'm saying.
4: Yeah, maybe <laughs> uh, like it is. It's interesting. I, I didn't see the Dan Rowan piece with Harry Kane, I saw Harry Kane do the uh, press conference, and I think the what what it probably told me is that. We learned a lot a couple of weeks ago about this conversation, rather than learning a lot now because and now everybody's just got kind of ahead of the game and all the media trainers know that this is going to be a question and it's like right okay we got to address this head yeah. on. Here's how you, in fairness, Harry. Like hang dog. What? Right, look, look, hang dog. Yeah, yeah.
0: As, as hang dog Kane's as you've that. ever looked. Kane's look very hang good dog. Stare at your shoelaces. Do a lot of that. Don't look directly at anybody. Oh, you're right you're right. half embarrassed about going. Ah, to the no,
4: no, car. no. Kane, Kane looked, Kane looked out at the cameras. Kane, I, I thought Kane just put on an absolute. Textbook performance, right. absolute masterclass, and the, one of the, one of the reporters who asked him the follow up question. Sorry, I I just saw a clip on on Sky Sports News said, "Well said, Harry." At the oh, end of one of his answers, right. I'm pretty sure, I'm pre- pretty sure that was said. So, like he clearly won won the room over. But I think what is more telling is maybe a couple of weeks ago when the likes of Thomas Tuchel and to a certain extent Eddie Howe were kind of caught unawares about these questions and were a little bit surprised by the gumption of journalists to continue to ask questions after mm, that one press mm, conference. Mm. That was when the true colours were shown. Whereas now all the players going to Qatar are like, Well, this is gonna be a constant jump beat of questions. We need to be prepared. They're going to select carefully who's gonna be put out in front of the media and they're gonna be making they're gonna make sure that those people are very well trained. So we're gonna we're gonna hear a lot of the same lines, I suspect, over the next little while. We're not gonna hear very um I, I don't think anybody's going to step out of line too much and say something that, that we haven't heard before.
0: Uh, uh, Fergus Keogh on YouTube asks, will OTB cover the World Cup or take a moral stance? And... All media organisations and everybody who in any way touches the World Cup will have to have these conversations. And uh, I would like to think that if we do end up covering it, and of course, Fergus, I think it's nearly unavoidable. It's the same point that we made about Newcastle a couple of weeks ago. Everybody's fairly outraged about what happens, but ultimately, at some point or another, you're going to end up having a football conversation. But if we do go down that route, that we will balance it out with some sort of coverage of what's actually happening in the country. That would be my view, it. I don't know, we'll see what happens down the track. And John Claffey says that Clarkson's farm was the best part of lockdown. Amazon Prime on. Have you? Is, is this is Clarkson's farm new new news to you? This no, morning? I've heard I've heard the name, but I haven't
4: obviously seen haven't seen any of it. Not an Amazon Prime subscriber either, so need to get on that. Get on it on.
0: It's uh, top 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 content. Uh, it is 5 to 8 it's Friday morning and you're watching OTB here's what's coming up for you between now and 10 this morning uh, Owen is going to tell us about all the it says 7.45 there but we got slightly derailed. and that's my fault and I apologise for that uh, we'll make up the time don't worry about it there'll be a headwind behind us when we get past 8 uh, the permutations of the weekend of football because it's a pretty interesting one is going to take us through exactly what it means for your team this weekend or not as the case might be Alan Quinlan uh, after that is going to uh, look ahead to the start of the TikTok Women's Six Nations this weekend at uh, Monster, pretty interesting. He's had Graham Roundtree on the Red 78 podcast this week and is he going to get the Munster head coach role? We we'll Put all that to Quinny Connacht, Leinster of course this weekend too. Uh, Sports pages 25-9 to 9. Lee Keegan, uh, we've been chatting to him during the week and he's got plenty to say about the um, re-signing, if you want to word it that way, of Washeen Mullen, and plenty more as well besides around the uh, Mayo situation. Ray Moylet is in action uh, tomorrow in Leeds and it's a really interesting story and he's going to join us live on the line just after nine this morning to look ahead to that fight and tell us how he's getting on ahead of way in phil egan with reflections on last night's football at 20 past nine and john john giles from last night's show uh will be with us after half past nine this morning but uh before all of that uh a reminder that you need to get ready to cheer on ireland in the tiktok women's six nations to launch this year's uh campaign we're giving away two tickets to the ireland take on wales tomorrow quarter to five or the S yes arena if you don't win these tickets going pick yourself up a pair and get on down to the RDS Uh, the lucky winner is going to be entered in the draw as well to be with a chance to win an overnight stay in the stunning Intercontinental Hotel on uh, the night of the game tomorrow night so to enter today just tell us what you think the score is going to be this weekend between Ireland and Wales Uh, wherever it is that you're watching us this morning just comment on Twitter Facebook, YouTube anywhere at all and before 9 we're going to pick our daily winner uh, of the pair of tickets and then at half past 9 that daily winner is going to go into the hat with the other four daily winners and we will pick the uh, overall winner of that overnight stay as well in the Intercontinental Hotel. So Ireland uh, in action against Wales, the International Women's Rugby at the RDS. Uh, nothing like it. Be part of the action. And if you don't win those tickets, you can head along to Ticketmaster.ie to pick up your pair. Right. Um, GA.
4: Hmm. Are you ready for your brain to explode? Are um, you ready for your your cranium I to enter a whole world of pain? Else,
0: I'm just waiting for my, I'm waiting for Division 3 it's like the Eurovision where you're like okay come on get, get to what's happening with my country
4: the good news here is that everything is absolutely clear and everything here is very very simple will I take you through what needs to happen uh, for every team your please. team if you're playing football this weekend chances are there's something on the line for you we're going to go from Division 1 to Division 4 and do this as quickly as possible Division 1 it's all happening on Sunday at a quarter to two there are five teams looking to avoid two relegation spots and five teams also looking to take that one remaining final spot We'll start with Monaghan versus Dublin in Clonus. The loser here is bollocks. They go down to Division 2. That is the long and short of it. It's the same for both teams. If they win and anyone of Tyrone, Donegal or Kildare lose, they stay up. For Monaghan, with the worst scoring difference in the league, a draw would have them hoping for Donegal to lose by at least six points and Tyrone by at least three. We are allowed to designate the great escape title to only one team if they pull it off, and that team is Monaghan. Dublin are then three points better off than Monaghan, so a draw wouldn't necessarily finish them off. Mayo versus Kildare in Carrick and Shannon. Mayo they win and they're in the league final. Kildare they win and they stay up. Kildare people, I've got some good news. The teams on five points can still make the league final, and Kildare are in the best position of the teams on five points. So if they win and Armagh lose to Donegal, while there is a twelve-point overlap in scoring difference, they will be going to the final. Donegal and Tyrone are also in the same situation, but their scoring difference isn't as good as Kildare's. Donegal versus Armagh is happening in Letterkenny. Donegal win and they stay up. If they lose and Tyrone win and there is a winner in Clonus, they're probably going down. The draw in Clonus would have them frantically checking their Scorebo app uh, if they get beaten, but they're better off than Tyrone doubling the Monaghan on that front as it stands in scoring difference. <sighs> so, Armagh then, if they win and Mayo don't beat Kildare, they're going to the league final. And then finally, Kerry versus Tyrone and Killarney. Kerry already through to the league final. Tyrone, if they win, they stay up. Lose, and they're screwed. Donegal and Dublin have the head-to-head over them. And only Monaghan have a worse scoring difference. Clear as day. I'm sure you follow that to
0: perfection. I've, my head is absolutely melted. but halfway through, I was. Oh, well, I, was, just, I, was really, I think you're just. Uh, are you saying that Kildare, Kildare, Kildare could be relegated or or get into the league final? As I said, five teams looking to avoid two
4: relegation spots. Five teams potentially in the race for that remaining uh, final spot. Keep uh, fair keep, play, keep play up. To Kildare. By way. Up.
0: That's that will be that would be a brilliant achievement for them and and just just rewards as well. Great team. If your head is
4: melted, you need to do GA permutations better. It's the simple truth. Division two is happening on Sunday at two o'clock. Don't know why they don't have these on at more varied times I guess it's still I'm um, oh, sorry no the grand stretch starts on Sunday could have done these at a later time doesn't matter Division 2 Sunday 2 o'clock two teams fighting for one remaining spot in Division 1 one relegation spot still to be decided with three teams mathematically in danger of going down this is a little bit more simple than Division 1 Offaly versus Cork and Tullamore is where we'll start this is the relegation showdown Offaly if they don't win they're screwed they go down Cork if they don't lose are grand Down versus Clare is happening in Newry. Down, already screwed. Fair play to them.
0: Down are the only team, I think, sorry, there's Galway and then a couple of teams at the top end of Division 1 who are actually giving us a bit of clarity about what's actually Sorry, I should
4: say, League tables is the, the graphic put, put on screen. These are absolutely amazing. Follow them on Twitter and they've got like, the, the letters beside them in a visual way that I will never be able to I was to just going to say, just
0: keep keep those tables on screen you and let's just, you just sit here in silence for 10 just minutes. Play the <laughs> and
4: just play uh, and just go to at League tables on Twitter. Uh, so that's where we got those, the, those images. So uh, what were you about to say about Dan? Fair play to them for being relegated. Yeah. Because at least it clears that up the guesswork out of it so they're playing Clare Clare can only get relegated if Cork and Offaly draw and down beat them by 28
0: points well that ain't happening so those
4: people who want to go out you know sniffing around for dead rubbers well screw you this fixture is as meaningful as it gets there is every chance that a 28 point win is going down's way Meath versus Derry is happening in Navin Meath can't go up can't go down and mid-table mediocrity has never tasted so good Derry they're getting promoted if they win and Roscommon lose to Galway A draw would only do Derry if Galway beat Roscommon by at least six points. And then Roscommon versus Galway is in Roscommon. Roscommon, if they lose and Derry win, they will not get promoted. A draw will do for Roscommon if Meath don't lose to Derry by six points or more. And of course, a Meath win... Promotes Ross Common, Galway already promoted. Division Two. We're halfway there, Adrian. Jesus Christ! You keeping up. How's not your head?
0: In the slightest, it is. If it was possible, even more melted. The main thing I took away from that was: what the hell is wrong with me? Football. This team that we were talking about not that long ago is we were being convinced by all sorts. Oh, and I think you probably know who these people are that you know, Meath were live all-Ireland contenders
4: I think we were being convinced by all sorts that they were going down a few weeks ago so I think they've done well to be in mid-table safety right now no Talton Cup and Park Talton this year see what I did there that's beautiful thanks very much Division 3 Sunday 2 o'clock as well 4 teams still in the hunt for 2 promotion spots 3 teams still in danger of falling into either of the relegation spots so Antrim versus West and Belfast the winner of this game will get promoted if Limerick lose so Antrim, they lost to both Louth and Limerick. So if Limerick get a draw, Antrim will need Louth to lose to set up a three-way tie. Antrim have the best scoring difference in the league, so a three-way tie would suit them nicely. Westmeath, this, this is your county, Adrian. Listen oh, this to this. the only to. Really uh, they have the head-to-head over Limerick. So if Westmeath win, a draw will not be good enough for Limerick, assuming Louth win their game. So I'm, I'm sure that's, that's pretty... Uh, Westmead are playing Antrim in Belfast, as I just said.
0: So if, sorry, just go over that again. So if Westmead beat Antrim, so they have the head to head over Limerick, I'm clear on that. If they beat Antrim, that's it. I
4: haven't a clue, to be honest.
0: Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that I think they- so,
4: yeah. Whatever I just said there, <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> just play it back. Just I'm,
0: play
4: it back. I'm, <laughs> I'm <laughs> <laughs> Leash versus Longford <laughs> is taking place in there. Port Leash. Leash, if they win, they will stay up. If they lose, they will go down, unless Wicklow beat Louth. Longford, a win will only be good enough to keep them up if Wicklow lose that game. To Louth. Then you've got Limerick versus Fermanagh in Limerick. Limerick need a win to be sure of promotion, given Antrim and Westmeath both have superior scoring differences, but of course you knew that. Fermanagh, almost certain to not get promoted. They would need Antrim and Westmeath to draw and then subsequently beat Limerick by 18 points. And then finally in Division 3, we've got Wicklow versus Louth in Ockram. Wicklow need a miracle. They need to win and they also need Longford to beat Leash and they then somehow need to turn around a 30-point scoring difference gap. Wicklow, uh. I'm sorry, you're done. Loud, don't lose, and they're promoted. The scenario that would not see them promoted is this. If they lose, Limerick draw it for mana, and there is a winner in Antrim versus Westmeath. Their scoring difference would relegate them to third place, so that's one thing to keep an eye on with Loud. It's not fully done just
0: yet. Then Division Four. I haven't, by the way, with Westmead. Like I, w- I was pretty bullish about them earlier in the. Uh, in I was the thought I need to get
4: a room at Westmead. Is what somebody in the oh, right? said once. Yeah, it's clearly affected well, me a little bit. Your enthusiasm for them.
0: Uh, well, I mean, just if they are ever included in the top sixteen, that makes my day. To be honest with you, you're unaware of this information, but that's. I'm delighted with that, but I'm really not even confident about them this weekend. Like, I would have been very bullish about them at this point, but I did. I will note with Longford about to drop like a stone there. It's a division you want to get out of. For the likes of a team like Westmead that have loftier ambitions than hanging around with that sort of riffraff in that kind of company, they need to be getting the hell out of. Like, I'm, there's no ambiguity. Get the hell out of that division. It's no, no good can come from it. Like, in a way that uh, you won't be mentioning the other big rivalry, obviously, this weekend, the Westmead Kerry game, in a way that. Whoever wins that goes into a final against Down, I think. Mm. Am I right? Down to get promoted to um, whatever it is, 2A in the hurling. Uh, or 1B, whatever, yeah, whatever, probably, yeah. whatever way they word it. Which is a bit of a like poison chalice, let's face it.
4: Yeah, you take, you take a lot of hammerings next year you take load and Maybe you
0: develop I don't know but no ambiguity about the football get the hell out of there and I will say for all the Longford abuse that I got a few weeks ago after I said that you know there was a bit of the England-Ireland situation going on there in terms of the rivalry between the two counties and I got a load of it from Longford people fair play to them um, Well
4: yeah. done you managed if to do a they, three minute slot in Westmead if there they, <laughs> if, they get,
0: if they get relegated to Division 4 good luck to them uh, Division Four,
4: uh, with no relegation here, this is a little bit quicker. So three teams in a battle for one promotion spot. Carlo versus Wexford takes place in Carlo on Saturday at one pm. Remember, Division Four, none of these ga- these games aren't taking place at the same time uh, because reasons. So Carlo can't get promoted. Wexford can't get promoted. Dead rubber crew, this is your time to shine. This is officially a dead rubber. Carlo versus Wexford. Now Cavan versus Waterford is in Cavan at six pm tomorrow. Cavan are not mathematically guaranteed of promotion just yet as far as I can
0: tell the scenario that would see <laughs> <laughs> I think that has just summed up this the, entire slot the person that's bringing you the no, no, no the I, facts I, of I'm what's I'm, happening I'm, this weekend has just I'm, I'm, said Kevin may not get promoted I'm, I'm, as far as I can I'm tell sure, I'm, pretty,
4: I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm, I'm very sure I'm very sure Cavan are not mathematically <laughs> this, this thing guaranteed. needs to be headlined
0: GA permutations this weekend as far as I can tell I, I, I'm
4: very sure that Cavan are not mathematically guaranteed of promotion but I am very sure that they will get promoted so the the scenario that would see them not promoted is this Sligo or Leitrim win Tipperary draw with London Cavan lose and happen to surrender six points of scoring difference to Tip. So it's not unthinkable. We're not talking 28 points or 30 points here. It's a six-point uh, swing. So it, that is possible. Waterford can't get promoted. So Waterford nothing looking to play for Cavan. are probably going to get something from that game. And anyway, the circumstances will be wild for them to not go up. Tipperary versus London is in Thurles at 7pm. Tipperary, if they win, they're up. If Sligo win, a draw will do Tipperary, assuming Cavan don't lose. If Leitrim win and Cavan don't lose, Tipperary will need a win. That's due to the head to head. London can't get promoted. Sligo versus Leitrim, then finally. We've made it to our last game. It's taking place Sunday at one o'clock in Sligo. Sligo need a favour from London. If Sligo win, they still need Tip to lose. If they lose, they're out of the picture. If they draw, a Tip defeat to London would see them promoted. Leitrim also need a favour from London. If they win and Tip don't win, they get promoted. If they lose, they're out of the picture a draw will not be good enough for Leitrim. So there you have it, clear (laughs) as day. I'm sure nobody's going to have to listen back to this whatsoever. (laughs) Or check GLE tables out and get the actual visual element of that if you listen to us on the radio, because it's just all been explained so succinctly there. And uh, I guess everybody's now very, very excited for a weekend of uh, the calculator gathering dust.
0: Everybody, including yourself, accepted that that was going to be a bit of a tough sell for a few minutes I think everybody understood that it was going to be hard to follow but nobody legislated for the fact that not even you were confident that the information you were delivering was in any way it's based just, in that's fact just, that's just based on humanity that is absolutely outrageous um, John Wayne on acid on YouTube um, and good morning to you John I is hope your morning or is, is, that, going or is going your well name? that's his name John Wayne on acid and he says okay back asleep until the papers etc as we get into the GA Mm. league piece this morning shifty lad imagine the old Ireland being tied to the leagues it'd be class Alan says league table explainer sponsored by Panadol that sums it all up that's actually a
4: very good idea there's your commercial uh, idea for for this time next year
0: it's a joke that the division 4 games aren't on at the same time says Bernard Mm. it does it does
4: kind of throw the uh, bit of disarray into the the level of the competition because Sligo and Leitrim when that ball is thrown in on Sunday at one o'clock they know exactly what they'll need to do they'll know whether or not that favour has been granted from London basically
0: um, not knowing much about the permutations before you begin you, you began that slot I do feel now as if I know even less nice that's, so, that's well, the whole point well done that's, Great. A, that's, 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 that's an the achievement <laughs> Uh, OTB AM every morning it's 10 past 8 by the way and good morning to you Uh brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day and a reminder as well by the way of our competition this morning I want to give you one quick reminder of this because uh we have uh, to pick a daily winner today and then to pick an end of week winner as well before we leave you this morning and uh, we want you to get ready to cheer on Ireland in the TikTok Women's Six Nations and to launch this year's campaign we're giving you a couple of tickets every morning this week to see Ireland take on Wales, it's tomorrow it's a quarter to five, it's at the RDS and the lucky winner is also going to be entered into the draw for the chance to win that overnight stay in the stunning Intercontinental Hotel uh, just near the RDS as well so you just have to have a few beers and then you don't really have that far to walk uh, back to your hotel that's on the night of the game tomorrow to enter all of that you can just tell us what you think the score is going to be this weekend between Ireland and Wales uh, wherever it is that you're watching us this morning just comment Twitter Facebook, YouTube whatever it is and before nine we're going to pick our daily winner of the tickets and then at half past nine we'll reveal the winner of that stay in the Intercontinental Hotel International Women's Rugby is at the RDS there's nothing like it be part of the action and you can get your tickets at ticketmaster.ie so that's where we're going to leave that do keep your comments coming into to us uh, over the course of the morning up next going to be Talking Rugby with Alan Quinlan. OTB AM Alright, a quarter past eight, welcome back to OTB AM He's the co-host of the Red 78 podcast alongside the Ireland uh, assistant coach, Neve Briggs Alan Quinlan, good morning to you Morning, lads. How are you? Flying it. And we've been just listening to uh, the brand new uh, Women's Six Nations show as well there in, in the ads and uh, plenty of coverage across the papers this morning. It's at a real uh, high-profile uh, point, um, the tournament as well. And by the way, I just want to remind our audience that you can check out the Women's Six, uh, Six Nations uh, show. It's available uh, fully up on our YouTube channel. Uh, you would have heard there. Kira Griffin, Fiona Hayes on the show looking ahead to the opening round of the TikTok Women's uh, Six Nations. Gets away for Ireland obviously against Wales tomorrow and it's all in association with our friends at Vodafone Uh, we all belong to the team of us but Quinny um, back to the business at hand is is it almost a sense that we need to look at this as like almost a two-tiered league in the sense that England are down the road with the contracts France have the part-time bit going on Wales also have the full-time contracts but it's relatively new so it's Ireland Italy, Scotland and uh, Wales almost in that second table is that the way to look at it do you think?
3: Yeah it is I think um it is a bit lopsided um, you know Ireland their second match is against France and um, it's 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 a difficult challenge in round four to play England so they're, they're the really tough games I think they're way to to France and England like like the men's team were so it's 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 a bit lopsided you could say but like the girls were saying there on the podcast um, it has a feeling that this is a new era um, there's been a A lot of change and a lot of negativity probably put to one side now. And and everyone's hopeful that, um, it can be positive. I think the danger, the danger for Greg McWilliams and Neve Briggs and the team and the rest of the coaching staff is maybe there's a little bit of expectation and excitement now, which is great, but, um, they've got to temper that and be careful because, um, they've had a lot of setbacks and, and psychologically, you know, not going to the world cup. Italy are gone, Scotland are gone, Wales are going, England are going, France are gone. So the teams that are going to play in the Six Nations, or all, all will all be kind of building towards a World Cup in, in in September October. So it's uh, it's tough for them, but there seems to be a good feel feeling about the group, and obviously the big games, as you say, at the start, there France and England, the way um, given the positions they're they're in, and the the continuity and the quality of player and. Um, the level of club games that they all play um, I think Wales are tricky as well Ireland beat Wales 45 nil obviously in last year's six nations it was a brilliant start to the campaign over in Cardiff they've 12 full-time internationals now since the start of January so is that going to benefit them is it I'm sure it's going to be a different Welsh team and how, how do Ireland cope but I think Greg McWilliams, all he can focus on in, in the last period of time is preparing, preparing his own team. And the hope is that they get off to a good start. The challenges they have around their, their play, um, the improvements that are needed. Uh, well, you know, the set piece was, was poor at times, um, in that campaign in September, October, I think things improved in November against Japan and USA, um, so I'm sure they've been working hard to try and remedy and fix things, but um, the hope is that they can start well tomorrow and, and that confidence and that feel-good factor that seems to be there is generated into the performance.
4: Is there a danger, Alan, that there's an overreaction to whatever way the Six Nations turns out for this team? Because if they win... Th- People might rush to say, "Well, everything's rosy in the garden again." And if they start losing, people will say, "Well, has anything changed?" And in reality, for anything to change, it's going to take a whole period of time. That any of the recommendations from the report surely have barely been implemented, let alone actually seen their effects in action over the last little while.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's a very good point on, and uh, there is a danger of that. If 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 Ireland um, get off to a really good start, that maybe they'll get, you know everybody gets excited and ahead of themselves. I think. The important thing for Ireland, it's a home game and their desire should be to win this game. They should be able to deal with that pressure and the pressure that Wales will bring. You know, they'll be very, very determined to try and get a good start themselves. And uh, and as I said, you know, they're twelve of their, those. the Welsh girls have been training full-time since January. Um, they've been backed by the Welsh Rugby Union. who knows, is that the right thing or the wrong thing? They have some other part-time play, uh some of the part, part-time contracts as well um, yeah and I think there, look there has to be some patience here because the structures that came out in the report and the changes that that have now been agreed which uh, both times seem seem happy to draw a line in the sand and move forward and, and the improvements around you know the analysis and I think that's one of the probably the key areas for, for any player and in my own experience, being able to get that feedback and that one-on-one video analysis, uh, player cam individuals, all that kind of stuff, and, and have proper people involved that can take the girls to one side and, and show them examples of how certain t- situations should work and, and how maybe they've made mistakes in it. And, um, so they're kind of starting from scratch a little bit with some some of the girls and they're relatively inexperienced on, I think that's, there's some experience in this side but there's there's a lot of inexperience you know if you go through the squad there's you know I think Emer Constantine has has the most caps at 23 but you know there's a lot of five six cap players in that squad um there's certainly a lot of good exciting players but um it's about just tempering that expectation and I'm not expecting a lot I, I suppose of course, you can have expectation of yourselves, but I think there's the reaction either way should be should be one of patience because there is absolutely no doubt with the structures that are now in place with Greg McWilliams, who um, is a very good appointment. I think Neve Briggs gone in there as well. Um, I heard Dorothy Waltz speaking about you know her impact in the squad and these girls getting the right game time with their clubs. Um, obviously it would be one of the goals is to improve the domestic league and have it more competitive. Because obviously the more games you play, the better you get. So a lot of these girls are still learning. They're relatively inexperienced. Um, So we should really be looking to the future. And, and, you know, in 12 months' time, or it's, it's this cycle now between now and the next World Cup, really, that you hope to see improvement on a continuous basis. I'm sure there'll be plenty of ups and downs. And, you know, when you play France and England... You're always on the back foot, and and you're kind of limiting and minimizing the damage when you play against those sides because they're so organized, so strong, powerful. But um, let's hope to get off to a good start. There's a lot of excitement here. Um, I think there's a lot of coverage being given given to the to the women's game and the build up. Um, it's great that the girls are getting that exposure, and you know they're doing media stuff and they're doing interviews. And um, the game is live on t- TV tomorrow and. I think people are people want to get behind the team now, and a lot more people will will be conscious of that and try and support the girls.
0: Yeah, and three from five, I think, is what we're saying is the uh, that's the yeah, goal. I think it's so. Really like that's that's. I
3: think so. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. They should. You know, dare I say, tomorrow is, is 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 so important that they get off to a good start because the second game they're away to France, which is obviously a tall order. Um, then at home to Italy, so. If you can get two good results there against Wales and Italy, um, which is very achievable, then you're you're heading to England in that fourth one and you've got Scotland at home. And um there'll have to be a little bit of a even though it won't make any difference to the World Cup at that last game against Scotland, um that will spur the girls on to try and try and get a result there. So yeah, the goal would be and I I suppose internally they will um they will have and realistically, looked at that situation, and said three from five would be a, a brilliant result. And how competitive you can be against France and England then is is the next step.
0: Yeah, and the the wider conversation about what needs to be done about that lopsided nature of the tournament was a conversation for another day. Um, you'd yourself and Eve had Graham Roundtree. On the Red 78 podcast this week, Quinny, and there's plenty of chat about him, and he addressed fairly front-on, to be fair to him, the uh, situation around the ongoing and prolonged, as he would put it, nature of the appointment of the new head coach. No word on it just yet, but he's getting the gig, isn't he? Um,
3: I don't know, genuinely. Um, I've been trying trying to, to... It's been kept very, very, very tight, the whole situation, which is probably a good thing. It's not a good thing for the fans because they want to know, and uh, people trying to find out in the media and get getting a little bit of info. But look, um, it's been a it's been a pretty long process. Um, it's the first of April next week, and you know Johan van Gran announced in the middle of December that that he was he was leaving. So it's been a little bit frustrating for people. Um, but I suppose there's there's different reasons and factors around that.
0: What what um, are they, Quinny? Is it is it is it a case that they just want to leave it because they don't want the noise around it and they just want to get on with the season, or is it a case that they're still looking for the right person?
3: I I think there was obviously a period of time that um you know they 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 put it out there and people applied and um to get the to get people together and 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 look at those the merits of each of each candidate. I think has um, taken a bit of time it would indicate that. There's probably some good candidates there, I think, and then you have a situation which is, um, you know, you're appointing, you possibly appointing within, and the merits of Graham Roundtree, um, and maybe the continuity that he can bring. So there's been a number of factors. I think, um, obviously, the RFU and David Miseforo would be would have been heavily involved in that, um, and Six Nations maybe, even though people probably wonder why, but maybe that that was probably decided that they're going to give it a bit of time, not rush into this decision. Um, and I think, you know, that that's probably the reason. I think Monster fans would have loved to have known about this in January. And and um, in, 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 I think it's, it's not great for the players either. I think, you know, they're coming into a pivotal part of the season. And I think the squad probably need to know um, the talk. And the, what I'm hearing is it's very, very close to being announced. Um, we may hear something next week. Who knows? And to be honest, for anyone listening, you know, there was no conversation with Graham Roundtree and myself before we, he came onto the podcast about, well, I've got the gig, but we can't talk about it because that's, you know, politically, I can't do that. Um, and me saying to him, Oh, Grand Graham, that's great. Mm -hmm. I won't say anything either. There was none of that. He was genuinely in the dark still. He interviewed a number of weeks as did a number, number of candidates. Um, is he the right the more person to, for
0: the job then Quinny? Is that the other
3: Yeah, way? I, I I think and I've said this from the start and i I probably believe it more and more, and maybe I'll I'll you know, have to backtrack on this and react to if somebody else is announced, but I think the important part here for me is if somebody comes else comes in now and is announced, um, they obviously don't go near this squad until preseason. If there was a new candidate came in, someone out of the blue who hasn't been here, so they start the preseason. Then in end of June, started July with you know, it could be even the end of end of July because I think it depends on how far uh, Munster will go in the URC playoffs because um, they run up to the I think the 18th of June of that weekend. Um, players that are four weeks off, so you effectively send the end of July and then. It's a very short period for a new head coach to come in and start to get to know people, um, know people, people's habits, uh, the characters, the, the different guys who, who, you know, Graham would know. And I think the longer it's gone on, the more I think having that bit of continuity it would, would benefit the squad. Mm. He, he obviously has, has have had to interview well and present his plan and his, I won't say the philosophy, but just what where he sees the club going, um, uh, individual players who he thinks can can get up to the next level and take the game forward. Um, they've signed well with 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 Fekitoa. He's a very exciting si- signing. They've been incredibly unlucky with RG Snyman. Everybody knows about that. He, he's he's a, he's a game changer, and someone can. Uh, just lift the whole group uh, with, with his performances and and what we've seen from South Africa. We haven't seen it from Munster, obviously, but, um, you know, if they can get to a point where um, that bit of continuity is kept and then you have to look at Adrian, assistant coaches. Who were the assistant coaches coming in? And they're the ones that, in my job, my opinion, need to be the ones that can improve the squad, improve the young players, um, Skill-wise, uh, develop um, the, the game plan, particularly the, the expansive style that every team needs to have it in the locker. Now you're not going to win trophies unless you can can attack and score tries, um, and you know from improve the forwards as well. So I think the overall package, and we've seen there's a template there with the Irish squad, the way they've kind of turned the corner, and their accuracy is so much better. And uh, small, little, intricate things like. The time the ball is in the air when you're 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 trying to you know spread it wide um breaking down defenses all that kind of stuff and the, and you know the players have have learned a lot i think in the last while of what not to do and what you should do in certain situations particularly under pressure mm. and in south africa you saw a situation where the team were 21-10 up um they could have been I think it was, uh, you know, if they defended better, it it would have been 21-0. They score a four-try in the second half, um, which is brought back for a forward pass, which was uh, minimal, I think, and could have easily been given. And suddenly you're losing the game. Unfortunately, those kind of experiences that you get are, are, are negative ones, but you can take stuff from that as well about game management, and I think you know, So there's still a side and still a lot of those young players need to understand a little bit more about game management. But there's a fair bit of optimism there about some of these players. One of, one of the things I asked him, which is, I think, um, just for the listeners to, to, to understand is, maybe someone will say, why do you, why would this be a goal? But when, when I played with Munster, one of the goals that you do at the start of the season, and it's just, I, I guarantee it's the same in the other provinces, is to get more players on the Irish team. So if you have a, play, more players on the national side, like Leinster have the mass, vast majority of them, well, then you're exposing those players and they're playing. They're showing their quality. They're showing their level. Um, they're now international quality. And the more international quality players you have in the group, the better the standard, the better the player, and and, and the better the results. So it has to be a goal. And I asked him about that, you know, um and I, I i think I look at across as as a number of of the the younger play, Munster monster players and they have that potential to get up to that level so um there's a lot to do i think um but there's certainly an excitement there um and from a fan's point of view I think there's a frustration um and it's probably just my own opinion if monster don't win a trophy this year this year um it's another year without one for sure and it's frustrating but how do they exit these competitions you know whether it's be URC semi-final quarter-final semi-final final or you know quarter-final semi-final final of Europe it's how they go out um, and how they play in those games and we've probably seen a couple of times the last number of years Munster just going out it's it's a negative when you lose obviously mm. but it's the, it's the way you play when you go out and they've kind of, that's, that they're stained a little bit by some of those exits in the last couple of years because no, nobody has a divine right. And I think they're still a little bit off from actually you putting them down as favorites for URC or favorites for Europe. It's just, that's not realistic at the moment, but they should be a team that, you know, if you meet them in a semi-final or final that you're pretty wary of them and uh, they're going to test you and stuff so there's the, what I'm saying is there's a bit more development in, the, in these players but there's there's an excitement there there's a uh, with their potential
0: yeah we shall see we shall see what happens on that front and obviously the director rugby side as well I'm sure there'll be interesting developments around that uh, we've Con Leinster obviously tomorrow at the sports ground and one thing that we wanted to ask you before we let you wave about a minute and a half here Quinny on the Eddie Jones stuff and the uh, RFU. I don't know if you've seen this, but the RFU have been out. I don't know really what they've said. They've kind of said, he's not bulletproof, but we're not sacking him. Uh, and, uh, you know, depending on our results obviously, go in November and next year, Six Nations. They're almost in too deep now, are they, to get rid of him? Well,
3: yeah, possibly. I think there's, there's obviously, um, they've obviously backed him and said, look, it's too late now to change and... I'm sure if they're sitting around the table and saying well will we or won't we they someone has has, has convinced the, the the doubters in the room that look what he did at the last World Cup um, but I just don't think it's good enough England um, where they finished in the Six Nations fifth last year third this year could have been fifth again um, the mitigation is he's missing a, a few players On Farrell is, is a tremendous loss to him Tua Lange Johnny May um Watson, these kind of players. Um, can you rely on Tua Lange, though, going forward? You just don't know what the injury profile he's had. But I think Owen Farrell has been a, a big loss to him. And he's brought through some young players, but um, will they have that patience going forward? I think there's a summer tour to Australia for them, how that turns out. And I don't think it's ever too late to... You, you are In an ideal situation, you don't want to be, uh, you know, this far you know it's 15 or 16 months out from World Cup you don't want to be changing that but look at South Africa a couple of years ago when they made that change with Rassi and he brought him on to win a World Cup it's late in the day but I think at this stage they've probably decided in whatever meeting that look let him bring him forward unless there's disastrous results in Australia or their November internationals um, I think he'd be leading England to a World Cup and dare I say it uh, <laughs> He he may pull a rabbit out of a hat and get them right and and, and I think come the World Cup they'll still be a, a serious contender.
0: Yeah, dare you say it. Quinny, thanks a million. Cheers, lads. Thanks. Good man. Thanks, Alan Quinnell there. And you can check out more of his thoughts on Neve Briggs and in conversation this week with Graham Roundtree. Well worth checking out if you just punch in the Red 78 into any of your uh, podcast apps. You're going to pick that up and uh, enjoy it. No end. Right. It is 8.35 with plenty of uh, comments coming in about Owens, GA. I was going to call it an explainer there.
4: It was an explainer. Um, It was a clear, concise explainer.
0: Generally, you expect, like the explainer, that at the end of that you're going to feel much more enlightened about the topic at hand. Well, I'm sure all of our uh, lovely listeners and viewers have
4: uh, much more of a capability to comprehend the simple than you do.
0: uh, That's a totally reasonable point. I have no objection to that at all. Um, What have we got here? A bum, ba bum, ba bum. Bum. (laughs) Bose <laughs> that's a long and, that's a uh, long so I'm gap. trying to read the name Bose and something Ang David on YouTube folks I've decided to take past level GA combinations in the leaving cert uh, <sighs> Dennis Ryan says possibly Owen Sheehan's finest moment on OTB move over Darren Farrell
4: it's a very nice thing to how say, do you feel it? about that yeah that's a nice thing
0: to say um, I expected Cavan to cruise through Division 4 their form could be better says Cavan lad yeah he's not wrong they're down there with that dross. No more than Westmead in Division Four. Kevin have no business. Division Three. Cavan have no <laughs> business down there, do they?
4: Uh, uh no, I don't think they do. I, I think that they possibly be playing down to the opponents, but the results haven't exactly been mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, they've, they've not been great.
0: Dario or to superb work on the head is
4: completely wrecked. No work today. Mission accomplished. Yeah, I definitely have. I felt like I've used up my all my brain power now, and at eight thirty seven, I've got nothing left to give.
0: Uh, John McMorrow by the way the rugby is wondering is it not surprising that Parsons is starting on the bench absolutely and I think that it does come back to Greg McWilliams has made some big calls obviously uh, before when the squad was even named with the absence of Cleena uh, Maloney and obviously his debut at nine now tomorrow and Parsons not not been uh, not been included so absolutely yeah, it's it's somewhat surprising Um and we will see. And like when the chips fall, I mean I think everybody would expect that we would beat Wales tomorrow, the basis of what happened last year. Obviously they are a team that are coming on the basis of the contract they've given out. That probably won't be we won't see the evidence of all of that just yet. Um but it is possible that Wales will end up joining that that group that are ahead now, England and France, um, over the next few years. And I know that Fiona Hayes and everybody's talking about pushing the report to one side. I just there's a nagging feeling at me that pushing the report to one side in the long term is not really what's. Uh, what's I, going I, to that's mean?
4: not what they're suggesting, I guess. I guess it's just for you know, in, in the context of being a player this weekend and all that, you know, you got to put all that stuff to to one side, as she says, and 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 focus on the game. But as a rugby union, you'd like to think that that's not that's not what is going to happen. Uh, Wales will be a very interesting one, though, because I think maybe there's been an acceptance that England and France are just more populated, richer countries with uh, better funded uh, rugby union. Rugby, ah. uh, but you, if Wales not that, are you? and I'm I'm not necessarily saying I'm having it, but if Wales start to make yeah. similar strides on Ireland, shoulder, then yes. it makes a show of Ireland. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. Right, a OTBM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Uh, let's just give you a quick flavour of what's happening on the back pages and on otbsports.com this morning. They've pushed aside that report now, uh, Fiona Hayes and Kira Griffin on the Women's Six Nation show with Richie. Yesterday, that's the main story there. Uh, also, he's never got the credit he deserves, John Giles on Seamus Coleman and lots of other stuff up uh, on otpsports.com for you this morning as well. Uh, we we'll kick off the papers with the Irish Daily Mirror this morning. And yeah, that story across the bottom, I haven't seen it in many of the others. GPA imposed blanket ban on all media. Over to you, Croker, as players pull out of championship launches. That's a story by Pat Nolan, who's got his hands on the video from Tom Parsons last night, who has uh, said to his members that the GEA have uh, reneged on our agreement. So, far from... Uh, winding down that one seems to be only going in one direction the Irish Times this morning best number two in the world ready to be Ireland's number one at least uh, for a few days as Gavin Bazuno sits it out and Quivian Callagher takes on that uh, mantle. and that's Gavin Comiskey looking ahead to the um, Ireland-Belgium game belgium B game and Lisa Fallon inside as well about what can our game learn from the Belgium way you buzzing for Belgium
4: Ah yeah, like, uh, I, th- I think that the fact that it's not the, the, the big stars, people are thinking, well it's, this is not going to be a, a great fixture, but there's still some excellent talents coming to Dublin this weekend.
0: Uh, Duffy's vision, defender backs Irish to thrive in Nations League, end of the world for Italy again. Uh, inside there, that's the Irish Daily Mail, a brilliant photograph on the back page of the Irish independence this morning from that game. Uh, Italy crash out of World Cup, the European champions fo- fail to qualify after a stunning defeat. Uh, to North Macedonia, and it's Marco Verratti there, looking more Italian than you've ever seen anybody look in your life. It's the shorts-up look and absolute despair. Uh, Mac Williams backs Ireland to bounce back from the World Cup. Uh, Whoa, writes Rory O'Connor, and I was a hazard to myself, admits uh, Treaty star Sean Finn, after his concussion incident, uh, writes a Boyle inside, and there are quotes that are featured in a lot of the papers this morning. Uh, there, the Irish examiner locked and loaded, Owen Cadigan, uh, date with Hurt Kilkenny is a perfect... Uh, perfect for a Cork team chasing consistency and lots more inside as well including runner the calling Column there what else have we got for you on the star uh, Wags to Riches uh, Duffy time has come to hit the big time again and uh, Aldridge play the Tides United this is his message to the FA saying that about the FA Cup semi final shouldn't be at Wembley. they should be out and about a photograph of Gareth Bale there as well old age Penchainer. Tab of the morning, really, isn't it? We can't get away from it. Uh, Duffy, I'll stick around for Euro 28. Uh, and uh, Bruno Fernandes, by the way, has signed up a £65 million deal to stay at Manchester United until 2027. He's going to earn a million a month, I think, something like that. Wow. I think that's good business. Yeah. This is the auditor now, you see. This is the, nobody would have known that signing up Bruno Fernandes for another five years was a good thing to do unless you were the auditor. Ranik is really this is where he's coming into his own no?
4: yeah R- Ranik has uh, become an inside agent and discovered that Bruno Fernandes is a good player football.
0: yeah well, must get rid of Ronaldo I honestly think he can he can he can be a big top 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 player for United I think that Bruno Fernandes yeah. the
4: guy who like was the had the most goal involvements for like 18 months there I know but
0: he's gone off the boil since Jermaine arrived and and it's been good uh, yeah like, it'd be an easy thing to get rid of him now like you know there'd be plenty of clubs looking for him yeah, go business. Of course, yeah. The, har- the hard thing to do was to in a quarter of a million a week. I yeah I wouldn't know about that though I mean if yeah, you need to be the auditor <laughs> the inside information that and one last story from the Guardian this morning that we wanted to bring to your attention here it's uh, Giles Richards F1 faces calls uh, to quit Saudi Arabia over human rights <clears throat> and the uh, group Reprieve has demanded that Formula One ends its association with Saudi Arabian sports washing uh, after the family of a teenager sentenced to death wrote to Lewis Hamilton pleading with him to speak out on their son's behalf before this weekend's race and we had an email into. Uh, the show during the week on uh, that exact topic as to why the conversation about Saudi Arabia didn't seem to include uh, the Formula 1 this weekend so delighted to highlight that as well
2: coming up at a quarter to nine John Duggan good morning to you Adrian, how we doing? are you buzzing for Belgium? Well, we're looking forward to the build-up tomorrow and off the ball Saturday on News Talk. Stewie Byrne in studio with Dan at the Viva Stadium, Dan McDonnell and Johnny Ward Is that as well, your political so.
0: way of saying, like, I mean, it's happening and we have to talk about it?
2: No, <laughs> no, no. We always love um, talking about football on, on Saturday afternoon.
4: So, uh, I, th- I think, I think I, I'm actually not tongue-in-cheek when I say that this is actually a relatively exciting fixture. Like, I, I, it Just for the sense of getting to see this Ireland team play again, like it just feels
2: too long since we've watched them, there is still that wave of excitement around this team. What I'm excited about is not seeing Belgium because you're not going to have De Bruyne or Lukaku there I'm more interested in seeing what Kenny's going to do mm. uh, who's he going to play uh, Keller will play we, we, we should expect I'd say it'll be three at the back Doherty would expect to play on the right wing like, will players like Mark Sykes be involved will Conor Ronan be involved in any way over the next week in these friendlies against Belgium and Lithuania will Troy Parrott get a run um, Scott Hogan and Will Keane have been whacking in the goals in the championship in League One, will they get a shot? That's what I'm more interested in seeing as opposed to whether we win against Belgium or lose against Belgium or win against Lithuania or lose against Lithuania. It's the makeup of the Kennys team and can we keep the momentum going after going 10 games now with only one defeat? Uh, Nathan made a very good point actually the other morning is that. Uh I know Belgium team, they would still be favoured to beat Ireland,
4: right? But Ireland have a greater chance now than normally to, to beat Belgium. And if they do that, the world ranking points count the same. You know, the world number one team in the world has been beaten by Ireland, which is, I guess, like, they're not going to have a, 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 an opportunity like this again to be able to make up
2: that much ground and to get that many points. I think it was 1966 was the last time Ireland beat Belgium it was a long time you think it was the game that set Ireland on their road to Euro 88 was the first game it was actually after Belgium finished fourth at the World Cup in 1986 and did a great run in Mexico and we got a last minute penalty and Liam Brady put it in it was a two-all draw and that sent us on our way and that's how good we were back then but it's funny this world rankings has always been a bit strange to me Uh, Ireland got to sixth in 1993 but I know it does matter for coefficients and seedings and all that kind of thing, but are Belgium the best team in the world? No, patently not. Mm. Um, They were, I would say, the second best team in the world in the 2018 World Cup, but you'd have to also say at Euros and various tournaments, they've underwhelmed. Yeah, that was their peak 18, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: That that sixty uh, six game is definitely the main thing that stands out for me from that year. It's nothing else football-wise that I can quite remember that it happened. In, in that year.
2: <laughs> well, Eric was born. You ever see? Remember the ad that they had in when he was playing for Manchester United. Sixty six was a great year for English football. <laughs> Eric was born. Eric Hansen, uh, so It was always a brilliant, brilliant piece of advertising.
0: And like, look, it is right. And of course, I'm being somewhat facetious to asking the question because at least the conversation has moved on from where it had been over the previous like year, 18 months that we're not talking about that anymore that suddenly it is about uh, much more about the players and definitely about Ireland and um, looking forward to seeing that since we're on the topic JD what else can we look forward to
2: coming up on the show give people the big sell Uh, well that's one of the big sells out of the way Uh, the other one tomorrow is that we're going to talk about retirement in sport. we saw Ash Barty retire prematurely you you could maybe argue at 25 years of age having done everything she needed to do in tennis we're going to talk about the whole concept of retirement on the Saturday panel with Niall O'Toole will be coming on and other guests as well. So that's at half one. The news around with Chainhan and Willow O'Callaghan, as always, and as we say, building up to. The game between uh, Ireland and Belgium, uh, full coverage, and then we have on Sunday the paper review. As always, we're, we're going to reflect on Ireland-Belgium, and then we're also going to have reporters around the country at the GA matches because Wexford Waterford in the second hurling semi-final on Sunday after Cork and Kilkenny meet tomorrow night. Will the Dubs be relegated? We we'll have Paul Finley at that Monaghan Dublin, Taggy Fogerty at Wexford Waterford, and also Colin Boyle is at Mayo's game against Kildare. So uh, jam-packed with yeah. with coverage. One to five tomorrow, one to seven Sunday. You know what to do, folks. You need to tune in to News Talk on OTB Sports Radio and listen. Good stuff and looking forward to that panel. Uh, Niall is a brilliant contributor. Um,
0: Right, what's happening in live sports this morning?
2: Uh, Well... I think it's Italy, it's the sadness of not being able to wear those retro Italy jerseys in, in November and December this year because uh, they won't be at the World Cup. Maybe you can wear them anyway. Uh, but Alexander uh, Tchaikovsky actually played for Palermo and scored that goal in Palermo last night. So it was just a, like a boxer dominating her bout and then just being knocked out with a blow. One, one punch, one punch, North Macedonia, one ill against Italy. And... Since they won the World Cup in 2006, uh, Italy will not have played a knockout game of the World Cup going to 2026. It's quite remarkable what's happened. Um, you'd have to think Jorginho's penalty misses against Switzerland in the group stage did come back to bite Italy a bit. And Freddy Rico Chiesa, to me, is the man, and he's been injured. And that's what they lacked last night, at cutting edge, 32 shots and goal. Gareth Bale um, giving the two fingers like nothing he needed to to Marca um, I thought was fantastic because I thought that article was so offensive call him a parasite and then you have the cartoon and all, everything and then he just delivered um, brilliantly last night 2-1 win over Austria we know he's injury prone they now play Scotland to Ukraine Wales we got North Macedonia against Portugal and Poland versus Sweden the Swedes with a 1-0 win over the Czech Republic it was not going to be any other way with Sweden was it than 1-0 after extra time um, we have League of Ireland matches in the first division tonight um, we have Seamus Power. what a story lads Will they be serving Blaz and large Mm -hmm. bottles at the Masters Champions Dinner in 2023 (laughs) um, if Seamus Barrow wins the Masters? Because... He's gone from 429th in the world to 48th. He's going to be in that Masters lineup. It's pretty much effectively guaranteed because he's won both of his match play matches. He beat Patrick Hantley 5-4 and four yesterday after his win the other day against Sung Jae Im. So he's set to qualify automatically for the last 16. Shane Larry not out of it as well. Uh, Eric Van Rooyen, he beat yesterday. He takes on Brooks Kepka today. He needs to beat Brooks Koepka to have a chance of reaching the last 16. I don't know if there's like local cuisine. Obviously with Waterford, there's you can put the cliche in about blaz and large bottles of Phoenix and stuff. Is there Kerry uh, specific cuisine? Is there westmead specific cuisine, lads?
4: Yeah. Have you, have you heard of a thing called butter, John? Kerry Gold. <laughs> butter.
0: <laughs> Kerry invented butter. Is yes, that what we're saying? absolutely. If anybody used to lay claim to it, to be fair,
2: but I mean, I don't. It's think char- the first churners came from Kerry. It's, it's interesting because you have these ads for Kerry Gold and uh, taking horses to France and all that. I don't know. I, th- I think that was a Kerry Gold ad. And Yvonne Sheehan's version, which is. Have you ever heard of Kerry Got Butter? (laughs) I mean, it's pretty... Kind of a bit of an edge to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind Uh, of offensive. see that, like... like you you'd even have to ask. The Late Late Show, and then Owen Sheen will just come and look at the camera and go, Have you ever heard of Kerry Got Butter? (laughs) Ryan's back after the break. Good impression. (laughs) Not as good as Rashard
0: Cooper's, though. No, Um, Adrian. No Westmead delicacy, unfortunately. Is there not? It's It's nothing.
4: Disappointing. But Adrian would, would just go ahead and steal another county's... They, well, we should
0: anyway. we we're, we're we're associated with Kerry Butter. That, okay, that's that's that my
4: point. I mean, Adrian was asked to do like his Mount Ru- or his Westmead Mount Rushmore, and he put Paddy O'Shea on it.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, why not?
4: A <laughs> <laughs> uh, Westmead Blah is it you know, Westmead Champagne. <laughs>
0: <laughs> why not?
2: You didn't put Paddy O'Shea. Yeah, he
4: did.
0: He's a Westmead. Who else, did you? You um, who else did you put on it? Um, John Aldridge. It's Mark Rowan John Aldridge. on it. Aldridge. Uh, Mark Rowan. Robbie Henshaw. Gary, uh, sorry, Gary. Desi Dolan was on it, wasn't he? Lyle Horan, yeah, Bresi. Rory O'Connell. Did you do the Kerry one?
4: I did. Who did you put on it? Uh, Mick O'Connell, Pawdy, um, Gooch, and. Mick O'Dwyer. Mick O'Dwyer. Mick O'Dwyer as well, yeah, the two mix. And then Gooch got taken off uh, in the end. Yeah, I think I, I need to. I need to go back and watch. We're taking
0: that. a tangent from Kerry Goldbutter here, JD, Thanks, a million. All right, uh, lads. Looking forward to the show tomorrow. Good man. Thanks, thanks a lot very for much. that. It's uh, ten to nine. It's to AM. We've loads still to come. By the way, we're going to talk to Ray Moylet very shortly. He is going to be live in action in Leeds tomorrow. Uh, he's back in the ring after a three-year absence. He's going to join us in the line in a few minutes' time. Any questions or comments for Ray? Get them into us. And uh, Phil will be in the studio as well shortly as well. But before all of that, uh, up next, we're talking to Lee Keegan. O-T-B.
5: AM. All right.
0: Uh delighted to say that uh John West Fella Ambassador Lee Keegan joins us on the line. John West uh sponsors of the GA's annual fail in an and the fail in a nail as well. Uh competition is one of the biggest underage sporting events in Europe and uh, now with a regional dimension with the third tier to the nationwide competition. Lee, how are you getting on? Good. How are you? Good, thanks, and thanks Millie for jumping on the line. You're obviously involved um with the John West uh as a fail ambassador and important you feel it's important, I guess, to give back to kids, give back to the next generation coming through?
1: I definitely, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I suppose I, I, I've been very lucky with my career where I've, I've had good people um, and I suppose people I looked up to within the club and even from a county perspective that I know a failure, but then went on to a higher level playing with Mayo and, and at high level Westport so th- when they give me advice and, and when I hear the play it at, at Fela level I, I want to get involved from that point of view and uh, now my Fela career was very short lived unfortunately uh, one game, one loss in out that was it unfortunately so um, but that, no that's not the point I suppose the point in Fela is like it is such a, it's such a massive competition. It gets teams from all around the country together. Um, I Actually, I can't wait this year to be, be involved and go to the competition as well, the region and the national and see, see the standard again. Um, I know our own club is always highly um involved in it. So, yeah, I like to see our club do well and, and I love to give a bit of advice to the kids that do come in and do it. Uh, but the best bit I always say is just enjoy it. Uh, even as adults, I say, if you're not enjoying sport, then there's no point being involved.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, actually, because I'm sure there's plenty of um, volunteer coaches around the country who would love to know what that bit of advice, outside of the enjoy yourself bit, which is obviously the important thing at the end of the day, what other sort of thing, like, uh, you're not going into you're not getting into too complex of uh, sort of tactical discussions, whatever, but what sorts of bits and nuggets can you give give the kids?
1: Uh, like, like from my own perspective is, like, I, I just, when I was that age, I just wanted to be involved in groups uh, from a social point of view, uh, and it got me out of my comfort zone in certain areas. Uh, got got to meet some new friends um, and then I got to compete. Uh, I got to compete at, at, at certain levels and I, I, to be honest, it grew, grew me up a little bit when I was younger. Uh, so seeing different guys come from different counties and trying to mark them guys and see where I'm at standard wise and what I need to learn and what I need to do. And I suppose from a coaching aspect then, when we went back trained then, especially underage, we would try and work on some of those little things be it a tackling skill or kicking, hand passing. I know the very simple things, but if they notice that I wasn't doing it one week, then obviously I need to be working the next week. So that's something that the coach used to drill into me is that work on the simple things as much as you can replicate again in the match the week after, be it under 14, 16 minor or 21, it didn't matter what it was. Um, and write down then, not even write down, but just reflect on then, um, did it go well for you? If not, then what can I do to get a little bit better and train next week? Um, and, I was very lucky that I had guys, even from a young age, that were drilling that into me. Uh, but at the same time, allowing me to enjoy my football and not, not, I suppose, keep me in a prison that I have to do X, Y, Z, or else it's going to be the end of the world. It was just, if you do these few things, you might get a little bit better at it. If not, we'll keep working them, keep working them, keep working them until you are... Not perfect, but at a really high level. And again, there's guys in the club, and, and I know volunteers all over the country are probably doing the exact same thing. Uh, and that's why Fail is so successful, and why he's getting recognised uh, uh, worldwide. Were you always sort of one of the top performers coming through as a kid? Oh God, no! Not at football, no, 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 not? no, 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 no! I was probably one of the lower ranked ones when it, when it comes to underage football. So I was, but uh,
0: up to like up to what stage?
1: Um, <clears throat> probably up to nearly twenties. I was. I, I was Probably two more were involved with the likes of rugby and, and soccer probably when I was underage to be honest. Uh, been from a town like Westport, it's, it, it is very sport dominant um, and I was lucky that I could have a flavour for each sport so I was predominantly involved with rugby at, like say Westport and Connacht underage uh, up to under-19s, 20s then and kind of just made the decision that I wanted to take Gaelic. to be honest. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, I'm happy I did.
0: <laughs> um, what what, uh, what position were you in the rugby? Pull back. Right. And we, was it was that an option? Like, were you thinking about, was there an option there, a call to be made at some point? Um, There was, yeah. I suppose
1: I, I was trying to cling on to as many sports as I could for as long as I could. Um, And that's another bit of advice for anyone as well, is play as much as you can while you can. Because mm. when you have to make a decision, that's that's kind of it, to be honest. Um, and I knew when I was getting to that, that kind of... 18, 19, 20 year old that I was going to have to make a decision and had a chat with a couple of coaches at under 20 Mayo uh, They were interested in bringing me in and they were said they'd, just seen a, they'd seen a good bit of potential
0: and I got a bit excited from that and, and just drove it on from that to be honest. They were right. They were right. It's like 15 years later they were bang on. Was the, did you consider like a professional rugby career?
1: I, I never really looked probably further than under 20s at the time um, because I was still kind of involved in it. Um, Looking at now effect effect now, I'm kind of happy I didn't. To be honest, I, I don't know if I, even looking at the standard of some of the, some of the players that went after me, uh, it's just kind of ridiculous and the size of them as well. Uh, I'm only a, a small nugget of a thing when I look at some of the guys that are playing rugby at the moment. But um, no, I'm, I'm really happy with my decision. To be honest, uh, I have met some great people along the way with GA. Uh, now I'm still an avid rugby supporter. I love watching rugby. Uh, some of the hits do make me sore watching it, mm. but I'm, I'm happy to be watching from the telly side rather than on, on the pitch side.
0: What, uh, at 32 then, when we're about, what are we, 30, 40% into the season, whatever it is, how's the body feeling now versus how it might have been a few years ago? Still fresh?
1: Yeah, good, yeah. Um, I suppose with the condensed season, um, we're trying to get ourselves in kind of a a peak shape, I suppose. Games are coming thick and fast, and I suppose Division 1 has been well-documented at the moment that the standard is insanely high, uh, and we're at the the final stage where League games are on Sunday. So in terms of body feeling really good... uh, relatively fresh considering um took a bit of time after the, after last year um uh, to get myself right again um uh, spent time with the family a couple of kids at home now so that puts things into perspective pretty fast so um once I got that time at home I was ready to kind of rock again and when James gave me the call then come February time um I got got excited and jumped straight back in and then um playing, playing week in week out so um I think as a player uh, and for myself I suppose I've seen the two sides from before, where we used to have a ten-week break and then train and play a game, where it's game weekend, weekend Now I'm definitely an avid fan of that. I, I know players are as well, getting getting as much as they can. It just feels a bit different that our season's going to be over in July. That's something we're, we're trying to figure out, and we're already nearly finished March. So you're right; like seasons coming and going in the blink of an eye. And like we're talking about our last uh, league game, uh, round the games this Sunday. It's 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 madness already. So um. It just shows yeah, it's waiting for no man. So it's, it's about trying to get yourself right quickly. And any little injury at all is going to put you back because, again, with the shorter season, you don't want to be chasing your tail already.
0: Like maybe it's too hard to tell because of that change of season and this far out. But like, is that format of, listen, I'm just going to go and take a bit of a breather, refresh myself, spend that family time and come back. We've agreed that now as a format. And let's just roll with that for whatever number of years are left. I suppose I'm older, so I, I get that option.
1: <laughs> 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 maybe a mid-twenties guy might be different. But uh, yeah. yeah, like, I mean, I suppose I'm, I'm on year 12 now, or 11, 12 of Mayo. So, like, I know James very well. So, it, it, again, it's it's been smart. Uh, I know my own body as well. Uh, I said I'm running long enough now to realize that setting set myself crazy standards in December, January versus maybe five years ago. It's not. Expectation really, or it's not it's not reality for myself. It's about trying to get myself right for an early start and building into the air, uh, and that's gone pretty well so far. I'm I'm happy around in terms of my shape and I, how I feel, um, and enjoying the group environment. With we've quite a relatively new squad again, a lot of young guys coming through, so they're really challenging us, kind of older guys, as well, to perform in training. Uh, and I think it's it's been pretty clear that James is picking guys on form within training. We've we've had a lot of changes throughout the games in the league, so. Um so, yeah, I mean, that's the great thing, James. There's not a good flexibility that I could bring James up. I just want to take an extra couple of weeks here before I come back into that environment again. And it's,
0: it's that's, I suppose that's, that's the trust we have between manager and players at the moment. It's funny to hear you talk about like the players, the on-form players in, in training, because from the outside looking in, it looks like he's got some sort of a master plan of experimentation going on. And I'm going to take a look at a few players, but you're saying it's more to do with lads in training putting their hands up.
1: Absolutely. I like Guys need to well. If they're not training well, they're not going to get picked. So you're not going to pick a guy that's not performing in training and put them in in a high performance game that Sunday or Saturday and expect them to do it. Guys need to be shown well in in Tuesday or Thursday or Wednesday or Friday, whatever whatever day it is. And for them to do that, if they're competing really well during the weeks and they're putting their hand up, then yes, they're going to get picked. If they're not, then that's just the reality of high level sport. Uh, And us as players know that very well and James knows that himself. So I don't think it's an experimental thing. I think it's, I think it's just, he wants to see how guys adapt to that high-level environment of playing top teams week in, week out, and Joe, we all have to get our chance Sunday as well, like when I was that age, if I didn't get a chance, I wouldn't be here either, so it's about exposing them, uh, getting them ready, and like I said, Champions only three weeks away this Sunday, so it's really important to get as many guys playing at that level as possible.
0: What uh, We're talking about all the new faces coming in, but the... the, Recapture, is that the right phrase? I don't know exactly how to phrase it. The Oshin Mullen not going to Australia bit. Uh, I wondered, like, how big a boost was that internally? Was that because he's the sort of player that I think no matter what squad in the country he's in, like the loss of his, him, you're going to feel that it could be the difference between getting over the line and not. Was it a big boost internally?
1: Well, he's a beautiful man as well, so just a comment. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> um, absolutely, listen, like Oshin's one of those kind of generational players um, and it is well that come how good he is. Uh, and yes, when we did see him come back in the change room, I suppose, give us massive energy because obviously he sees himself as, or sees us as a group, uh, uh, I suppose, to trust in the group that we can Go far again, um, and he obviously talked about that and, and sat down and set out his standards and his targets already. So he obviously has that in his head. And for us, see him come back in at Saturday was a huge boost for us because again, he's he's one of our top guys there, uh, one of our best players. And I suppose the way he plays the game, um, it's uh, it's very attractive to see. <laughs> mm. <laughs> he's just so good at football, like, uh, I love I love having him in the squad. I just think he brings up a bundle of energy. Um, and just for a guy of a twenty-one-year-old, he's already one of our leaders already, and that shows the type of guy he is within
0: the group already. So, um yeah, it was a huge boost to see him come back in this year. How, what's what sort of form does that leadership take? Is it more than just the quality of his play?
1: Uh Yeah, but even the way he trains, it's a strange in the week. He does take like a night off. He comes to train really hard. He's he's bringing lads with him. Then in terms of conditioning games or like his skill level is extremely high and he's 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 challenging himself as best he can to get better and better and better so you see a guy at that age and, and he's doing that himself you know he's in a good spot already Um and it doesn't take a lot of management for a guy to see see that qualities and um again to see him come back in and train the way he is train again it, again it's, it's really powerful for us as a group to see that
0: It's wild in an overall sense like how you mentioned obviously going into the last round of league games but how even everything feels now like it obviously the dubs coming back to the field a bit at the demise, then sort of suddenly everybody realizes, oh, maybe it's not so bad after all, after looking at the last few weeks. But it still does feel like there's five, at least five and maybe a couple more like genuine All Ireland contenders. Does it feel that way? Sorry, does it feel any different in that way uh, for you, Lee, over the last few years in the sense of that evenness?
1: Um, to a degree, I suppose. Like, I suppose our, just focus on ourselves. We always, we always. We're going to compete. We're always looking at a high level ourselves. And, and I suppose as a group, that's the target you want to get to is the order and final day. And obviously the outcome is, is to win it. And Essentially, we haven't done that yet. So, yeah, I mean, people can say it's an open championship, but it can be very deceptive to read league form into championship. And I suppose with the shorter kind of gap this year, it, it's even harder to get a read on. Um, I know even just playing the Division 1 this year itself, say... Teams are obviously setting out their stall pretty early this year that they're taking the league extremely serious, and and you've seen that with as you said, MA games are for grabs this weekend. Individual alone, I mean, across every division, there's there's something for grabs nearly every division. So, I think teams see this as an opportunity now, as to get a really good performance on Sunday. Uh, and I'm just talking with ourselves now here. Like Sunday is a massive game for us against Kandair. Um Like as essentially, it's a do or die situation from now on for the rest of the season. Uh, get a result on Sunday, we're into a league final. A league final then. We're straight into, into championship. So it's, it's, you're right. There is a lot of teams looking this year as an opportunity, but again, we, like we do every year and it sounds boring, but we, if we don't look after ourselves, if we start looking externally, then we're, we're only cutting ourselves. It's what we're doing now and what's important now. And for us, although championship three weeks in line, we know exactly what we have to do against Kildare. Any team that shoots 24 points a week before is a serious outfit. So we're looking at that challenge ourselves. Um, and we want to take that very seriously for Sunday and try and get to the league final.
0: There must have been some, uh, with everything that was going on with Dublin internally, was there any chat about it? Was Because it, most of the country was looking at it, like they, they've obviously explained it away, you know, we're in transition and there's probably a lot in that. But I think on a very one dimensional level, most of the other country was like, like str- everybody scratching their heads almost to try and figure out what was going on. Was there much chat about it internally? Don't give me the, we weren't talking about it and stuff. There must have been some conversation about it. <laughs> we don't.
1: And that's the, that's the thing. Like, like if you get caught up in, in the whole rigmarole of people talking about demise and transition, and yeah. then you're, you're, you're just essentially taking away from what you're doing good yourself. And I mean, yes, it's, it's a very easy conversation to have, but like, if, again, if we start talking and talk about other teams, then we're not, we're not worrying about ourselves at all. And and that would be a concern. And uh, thankfully it hasn't been. And, like I'd be telling you live if I said we did talk we 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 actually we don't have time to talk about it because 'cause we're so busy training ourselves. Um and I said that when I off training I I don't particularly talk about a lot of sport anyway. So um and like I suppose the big thing is that like because games are coming week in, week out, there there is no time to talk about Dublin or Kerry or it's it's we're actually either gonna be playing them or you have another game coming. So to answer your question, that's the, the answer I'm giving you. <laughs> are you, are
0: you. Are you going to give me the same uh, fob off when I ask you about the Philly comments?
1: No, oh, no, Lily, stop.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> they must have been discussed. Not Were like, they not? At any level. No, 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 no,
1: no, no, no. Like, discussions are is, is literally who are playing next. Um, yeah. And that's and that's that's Jenny the gossip truth. No can way. I ask
0: you can I ask you do you know because the first thing I saw when I saw the comment, probably had the same reaction everybody else, like, oh Jesus, here we go, like just lobbing this grenade into an already pretty tense dynamic between those two teams. But like when you stand back from it. What did he have a point of what he was saying in terms of Mayo being uh, the point being that like Mayo were more obsessed with being seen to stand up for themselves than sticking to the agreed plan? You're putting me in the sun, aren't you? I am. Um, <laughs> did he have I, a point? If I say I didn't read it, would I be lying? <laughs> you There's no way right. those comments haven't some way or another. Somebody's dropped them into a WhatsApp group somewhere along the line.
1: Um, listen. you can't exactly pinpoint every every moment or every minute from games like I mean the two teams have macho moments themselves so it'd be it'd be silly for me to say they didn't Uh, Mm to say we got caught up in it I don't know like that's that's and a say like I mean we went out to perform to the best of our ability in in that game so I mean to go into a game thinking if if I'm going to be as macho I can we knew that's never going to win a game uh, like there are high pressure games of course you're going to get caught up with some of the moments in, in, in that game but to say that that was solely the reason we lost I, I can't say I can't agree with that fully because like, we went out to perform to the best of the Uh we were 100% confident we were going to win those games uh, that's not a word of lie um, and we just didn't Dumb, Dumb Just were better than us than, than days but to say that we were it was a match thing no no we, we had to have a game plan to play one of the best teams that we've ever come across and it nearly worked, but it didn't quite come over. And that's, and that's the way we looked the game. It was just trying to get a good game
0: plan that was going, going to be doubling them games. So it's on the record. It hasn't been discussed, is what you're saying? It has Well, it's definitely not discussed this year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or going, going forward, no.
0: Okay. And what, um, the, the, the reason i was sort of asking about it was like the aggressiveness is a big part of your game, right? Like Andy Morn has written about it in his book that, was it a horrible player? Is that a horrible player to play against? Am I right? Is that the...
5: Uh, so quoted, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, So like that, that line of aggression between like, there's a negative and a positive to that, but you've always seemed to be able to walk that the positive side of the, the aggressive play.
1: Yeah. But I, and like, I suppose people have to realize we're, we're playing a contact sport. Um, so there has to be a level of aggression brought into these games. And and that's the same with the league this year as well. You have to have a form of aggression or else essentially you're a St. your man well, you can walk all over me for the full 70 minutes and kick what you want do what you want. Um, and it is. I'm not saying like to cross the line, but you have to. You have to be on the on the edge sometimes. And most top teams like ourselves do play in the edge sometimes. And that's the way most high level sports are across every court. Um And a team that tells you otherwise, and they're they're probably lying. Uh, you have to have that level of rush going into games, or else you're going to get walked over. And the way Gaelic is at the moment, particularly around that middle third, it is it is it's a bit of a war zone. And teams are going to, have to physically dominate other teams. And that's no different from a Mayo Dublin game to a Kerry Tyrone game or even this weekend we're playing there that's just the way the nature of the game has gone
0: are you looking around your last weekend going what is Ed O'Shea doing back here he's he's basically fulfilling every uh, position now on the pitch and the latest is in, uh, in the half back line what's the What's the natural progression of him do you think as a like? there's obviously so much he's one of those players that occupy so much debate around the summertime as to what how he's going what uh, what his best position is and all that sort of stuff I, I don't know is he likely to spend more time in the back line going forward or is uh,
1: he's looking for the goalie jersey next <laughs> yeah
0: it's not by <laughs> often he's it?
1: last position like so <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest like in the type of guy Aiden is he's a very good structural kind of guy he he can read the game really well and, and he's a very good organiser and leader so and he he's a big guy to get the ball on so it would make sense to give him a go there and see how it goes I'd, I'd love to see more of it to be honest um, he gives a bit of a good bit of protection uh, throughout the game against Tyrone uh, and the way Tyrone set up as well I suppose drop a lot of numbers back leave a lot of space one side so Aiden was doing really well in reading that so um. Yeah, he's not short of getting that goalie position after all this either. So um is, is he
0: basically just like a third midfielder that like he's going to operate in that sort of space. We're all obsessed with this opposition, is he in? And actually it's just sort of a third midfielder anyway.
1: Essentially, yeah. And like Aiden's a very good ball player. So I mean it's no brainer to play around the middle third and in the size he is and the presence he is, like Aiden's tackling is probably one of the best in the country. So I mean to get Aiden in around that area is is crucial for us getting turnovers and, and moving the ball quick and quick in transition. So uh, it's a role that I know he, he loved playing and so um, I'm sure it's going to be reviewed and upset again going forward. Yeah, it could appear
0: anywhere. Nobody knows. <laughs> can I can I ask you before we let you away? was it very disappointing, and I, I sort of facetiously mentioned at the top that it's great to speak with you because uh, we haven't had a huge amount of chance to um, speak with players or coaches over the last few weeks. Was it very frustrating how all that uh, played out, Lee, in terms of the, the mileage and the expenses and that uh, the GPA obviously felt it had come to a point where a ban was required?
1: <sighs> like I mean, it's 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 like most of the topics. If you want to get wrapped around it and call up on it, then like I mean, you can discuss it till the cows come home. Um, I mean, for, for me as a player and us as a, as a playing group, like I suppose, I don't know how people have time sometimes if we be talking. How many times that we train a week? We just we just want to go train and and be ready for any game that comes up. So I mean, it's it's obviously it's 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 a hot topic at the moment. Um. But I, I'm pretty sure like so they're gonna to have to come some resolution at some stage. I mean it's 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 a pretty simple fix if they wanna do it. Um yeah. and Joe, like I mean like there's probably no need to drag it on longer than it should be. So I mean it's just one of those things like it, it's coming pretty hot and it, it's the it's the hot topic of every kind of after league game at the moment, post league game. Uh we should be talking about the games and not these kind of situations, I suppose.
0: Did you agree with the ban or did you think, because there was, a, uh, there was um, a good point made that actually putting the players front and centre to say, we're not happy with this would have been as effective as a ban? I think ban's
1: a strong word. Like, I mean, like...
0: I a rec- a be- recommendation not to speak. A recommendation,
1: unfairly. like, yeah. Like, I mean, probably even better. Like, I think by saying a ban to an adult, it's like telling a baby not to have milk. Like, Joe, you know, mm. I like, <laughs> you want to do it then? Like, so, yeah. uh, like, Joe, you know, so like, I mean... I don't know. I I'm I, like it's looking for that. It can be a quick fix. I, I don't I don't see why it needs to be dragged that longer than it should be. Uh, just I I think for for myself as a player, I just want to go out and play games. Uh, like again, we're talking about a short season. We don't want to be talking about these matters that are like I suppose taken away from what's been a brilliant Division One campaign so far for all teams and all divisions across. So I mean, it's it's kind of to me it's kind of
0: pointless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at that. Fair enough. Uh, is this the year? Is this the year it happens? We'll, we'll, see, we'll see how Sunday goes first yeah 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 plenty, <laughs> plenty of football plenty of football to be played listen uh, absolute pleasure chatting with you over the last 20 minutes or so uh, John West Ambassador and you can check out all those details we give out full details from our social channels as well Lee Keegan thanks a million thanks many guys cheers appreciate it thank you OTB. Alright, coming up on 20 past nine, it's Friday morning, and it's Adrian and I'm with you until uh, 10 this morning. During the ads, though, you'd have seen a preview, little teaser clip of the former Republic of Ireland international uh, footballer David Myler, and he was chatting in depth with his dad John, uh, the legendary hurling manager, of course, and it's part of the Passing It On series uh, that's uh, appearing on OTB Sports, and it's all in association with Gillette Labs. You can check out the usual OTB channels and uh, see the hashtag Effortless Flow. Uh, for much more on that. It's a fascinating conversation and the two of them, whenever they get together, are just so giving. Like, they have such honest conversations. Sometimes slightly veering at the side have been a bit awkward almost. Or like The honesty hon- of them. But the, the
4: honesty, yeah, it, it is unreal. Uh, the, 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 some of the stuff that David would say about John and vice versa when they're on the show, there's a, I think we kind of knew down through the years that there was obviously a very, very close relationship with them. Almost... Uh, uh, a kind of a mentor mentee relationship as much as a father son mm. relationship. And I think we can hear in that clip there that that's exactly, exactly what they enjoyed down through the years. And I, I, do you know what I love about that clip as well? David Myler being like, I would easily be a Cork hurler. Yeah, Easy would be one yeah. of the be- best players there. Um, a very un Irish thing. I like it. Very Cork thing. Well, actually that is a good point. That is it. that's separate Irishness, Corkness for sure, mm. yeah. Monster by the grace of God know a, of that. What that would nonsense. have happened? Like would would a player of that quality have, have got them over the line against Limerick in that All Ireland semi final, for example, in twenty eighteen? Possibly.
0: <laughs> There's the headline clip David Myler would have won the All-Ireland for Cork Right, it's a Mayo love-in as always here On o uh, this morning And tomorrow night uh, fighting for the WBC International silver uh, super lightweight title In Leeds will be uh, Ray Moylet and I'm delighted to say that uh, Just over 24 hours out from the fight He joins us now live on the line Ray, good morning to you good morning, lads. How are you, doing? you are looking very relaxed for a man Just over 24 hours out from his first fight in three years
5: not only is the the fight the fight is 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 hundred miles away at this minute, but I've weigh in today at one o'clock. And usually, my wife kicks me out of the house a week before the weigh in because I'm hard to live with and hard to deal with. But I didn't think I'd ever be doing an interview uh, the morning of weigh in, and fresh, fresh as a daisy, and in good form and uh, and in high spirits. What
4: happened? What's changed? Why is this one different?
5: This has changed. I have a new plan in place. Um, I've been targeting this fight for a very long time, so I knew it was going to come at some stage rather than later, and I knew I had to be ready. I haven't been in Dublin um, the last 24 months as much as I would like to have been. So with me not being able to go up to Dublin to train with Paddy Collins every time, I tried to keep everything in my own control um, on point at home. So I, I looked after my body and I wasn't abusing myself. Whereas in the past, when I was training and going well, I could take the chances, I could, I could eat the rubbish food, I could go out uh, at the weekend, <laughs> and I could, you know, that's the reality of it. Yeah. Because you know, I'm, tra- I'm training hard all week; I deserve it. But, <laughs> but that's not the case. So I didn't deserve to do that to my body for the last, the last uh, nine or ten months, and I, I sort of had to, to make the call and just do it. So. You know, I've, I've I've new people in helping me now as well, and good friends. And you know, the the odds are against me here with this, so I have to give myself every advantage for this fight against Arthur Smith. Um, he's the home fighter. It's on an Eddie Hearn show. Eddie Hearn is his man. You know, I have to give myself every advantage. If I was over here struggling at weight and just about getting into the ring, you know what? It would look very bad for me, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be good for my performance. So, thankfully. Uh, I am in a better position also well well I just continue on this fight is a weight above the fight I fought at in Castle Bar. Um it 's five pound heavier, okay, which is my net na- which is my natural weight i don't know five pound mightn't sound an awful lot um, to your regular viewers, but in in boxer terms it 's a lot it 's a weight above again, so you know when you 're down to your down to your most minimum five pound is a lot to get rid of again, so thankfully i don 't have to chase that this time and I'm
0: walking around on weight and, uh, and comfortable. Is is it uh, like is it too much to say that it's been a bit of a come-to-Jesus moment for you, Ray, in the sense that like you're in that company now, you've got that big press conference during the week, there's a lot of profile on it. Just listen to you explain how it's come about that you don't have the same weight challenges because you've been looking after yourself better. Is that like a realisation of maybe I wasn't doing it as well as I should have been up to this point but from here on out, this is the approach?
5: Not really because I I was a young fella, and I couldn't be told anything. If you told me how to do it, I was going to do it the other way, whether it was right or wrong. So Mm. I think that comes with experience and it comes with age. You know, I'm I'm 31 now. I have a lot of years, I have a lot of miles on the clock. And I know this is not going to last forever. So I want to make sure that when it does come to an end, that I've given my absolute best and I've given absolutely everything and I have no regrets. You know, something I regret would 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 sacrifice or would, would crucify me over the next few years to be thinking of it? I should have done this, or I could have done that. Whereas I'm in a position now to do them things, and my body is allowing me to do it. Thank God. And I know I've no stone unturned here, hmm. and I have no choice to do it because win or lose, that's okay. But if I lose it on my own, on my own terms, that'll kill me down the line. You know.
0: Yeah. The bad form stuff about the place, is that directly weight-related as opposed to thinking about the fight?
5: Oh, well, it's actually both. You know, if I'm at a ball making the weight and I was struggling here today, that would be my own fault. You know, there's no one else to blame there. I'm the boxer. You know, I I see football teams blaming managers for performing bad and all that. That, That's not my style and that's not not the reality of it. You know, at the end of the day, if I do well in the ring everyone gets praised and all that but if I do bad in the ring it, it's on me you know so I can't I don't want that to be my legacy my legacy is surely it's worth a, a lot more than that
4: yeah you, you say you haven't been in Dublin much over the last 24 months Ray I think it was actually probably 24 months ago around this time when, when you were doing the, the push up challenge on, mm. on this show that, that, that Friday morning what, what has it like being back in Mayo predominantly I guess working away as well and, and trying to keep the fitness up knowing that this moment was, was going to come
5: Um, A small fall from grace. You know, I was a full-time professional athlete before COVID came. Um, That obviously closed a lot of things. It closed the entertainment sector, which I'm in. So I had to come back home, regroup. Um, In the middle of that, we had a child, a first baby uh, in the middle of the pandemic. So, you know, priorities changed. I needed money in the house. I was to get it from boxing. I couldn't be gone anymore. And... You know, uh, things changed. So I had no option. I couldn't go to Dublin on the hope I'd get a fight in a few weeks' time, be away from Kobe Ray, be away from Sharon, and not bring any money into the house. You know, that's not that's not my style. I'm not going to be dragged up this way, or either my my family. So I had to make the decision to try and um, join the two of them together, try and work hard when I was at home. You know, I, I literally have no... I have no outlet at home at all. People ha- haven't really seen me, haven't been out and about because I've been working or I've been training or I've been at home minding my kids. I haven't been doing anything else in the last two years. And if you know me, that's not my style at all. I'm stuck in everything, involved in everything. Um, you couldn't miss me if you walked in, into Rockies and Castle Bar. But obviously, them days are gone now too. But I ha- I've come to realisation that my boxing career is what it should be and there's no one to blame, only myself. You know, we've been here before. I've been fighting for titles before. I think it's off the ball. You, you've you given me some serious coverage over the last couple of years. You know, I was one shot away from Olympic qualifier um, in Rio. Um, I missed the fight then, uh, the big homecoming fight for the WBC belt in Casabar. I missed that. The push-ups, I was five or six or ten push-ups short on the night. like, I'm never afraid to, to put my neck out there and see what I have and see what I got. You know, like I'm not going to just sit on the couch and, and say, I could have bet them lads. You know, watching the TV t- on Saturday night, I'd say, I could have bet them if I got the chance. But mm. no one ever gave me the chance. I'm playing the blame game. I'm not here to blame anyone. I'm re- fully responsible for this myself. And everyone has helped me over the years as well, and they're still helping me. And they were helping me when there was nothing happening. I was, I came up with the narrative like that I was on the couch for the last three years. Obviously, I wasn't, but on paper, I was. And I still people helping me in them times, believing in me that there was something going to come out of it. And thank God they they stuck with me and, and they kept the dream alive, you know.
0: And like a win, obviously, tomorrow night now suddenly makes all of that right and makes the journey like it's a natural Endpoint is not the word, it's a natural next step on the path, as you see it, I presume.
5: Of course. And you know, I was trying to weigh up this. like, How big is this fight? I was trying to weigh it up. You know, coming over on the plane, and it's... The biggest fight in my career up to this date was an Olympic qualifier in Venezuela. And there was seven in the weight, I believe, and three qualified. And... If I, whoever I met in the first, if you lost the first fight, you didn't get to fight again. But if you won the first fight, you had two fights after that. I know it sounds a bit complicated, Mm. but long-winded story. It was an Armenian lad in the the weight of the seven. And I met him in the first fight, and he bet me. So that ended the dream. And he went on to stop his next two opponents. And one of them qualified along with another guy. So it was actually harder for me not to qualify for the Olympics that time than it was to qualify the way the draw worked. But I was trying to weigh it up how big is this compared to that. And I'm gonna put them on level par. The Olympics was always my dream as a child growing up and it was it was the be all end all of amateur boxing. But now this is I know it's only it look at only for WBC Belt. It's not only for WBC Belt. It's to get in contract with Eddie Hearn and to get the the platform be able to fight on these shows at a regular basis and to ultimately ultimately, make a few pounds at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Eddie Hearn is the, is, is the man that, that has it and he's given me a chance to get it off him and he, I believe I took the chance in my best interest that I can do it and I can take it.
4: Ray, can I ask, when you said there a moment ago that uh, you've, you've had a... You never blame anybody else. You're always looking at yourself. Has that always been the way with you or has something changed at some point in your career?
5: No. No, I'd say it's only in the last year or two because we all want to blame someone else for things not going right for you. You blame the weather. You blame blame the referee in a football match. You blame the goalie. He didn't do something right. You blame the judges in a boxing fight. I've done it. I'm not... I've not come to this realisation overnight. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's me that has to throw the head on the pillow at night. And I have to stay with myself and sleep with myself. And, you know, I'm in my own head as well. So if I can throw my head at the pillow at night, knowing I've done all I can do, well, then I'm going to be happy, win or lose. And that's the reality of it.
4: And And the thing is, you would have been forgiven for blaming an actual global pandemic for shutting down, as you say, the, the literal industry that would fund you as a boxer, but it's not something that you chose to do.
5: Well, I'm not because how many boxers are going to choose that and blame that. And then I'm just a number. Whereas I put too much into this, put too many years into it to put too much sacrifice into it to just be a number at this stage. And I said it before, like a. I, I'm happy to go out on my shield I'm, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to go on a blaze of glory I'm not just going to fade away into the darkness whatever happened to that old boxer that was there he was doing alright wasn't he Oh pandemic came and that was in that's not that's not how my story goes
0: This guy is uh, technical powerful 7 KOs he's stylish he's a big prospect what's the plan?
5: Stylish on paper uh, big hitter on paper. Um, I won't know until I'm in the ring of them. I know a lot. Over the last eight weeks, have been, we've been working on plans and tactics and strategies for Paki Collins and the video footage. And I know more in the first minute of this fight than I would have picked up in the eight weeks because mm-hmm. everything changes and reaction comes into place. You know, you can go in, you can do all the jotting down you want and all the... The planning, but in reality the fight takes its own course we see it, we see it all the time and I believe I am going to do something in this fight that I've never done before, which is box out of my skin in terms of skill maybe sometimes I was boxing to the crowd or maybe sometimes I just wanted to fight, but this is going to be a skillful operation from me, rather than for the crowd. I have a handful of people coming over with close family and close friends and that's it. That's a big fall from grace from 2,000 people um, in the TF in Castlebar. You know so things change. I don't have anything to prove anymore to anyone else. I don't even have to prove it to myself but I want to show myself that I'm capable and worthy to be on this stage and I can only do that with skill and with heart,
0: yeah. And it sounds like you're you're um, like in a great space. Are you almost interested to see how you yourself are going to go in the ring?
5: Yes, I am because I've had over three hundred amateur fights. Uh, this is my thirteenth fight as a professional, and for all them fights and all them years, I'm over twenty years at this level now. Well, not this obviously level, but uh, in competitive mm. level. There has been five times the amount of that of sparring. So I've been in the ring my whole life, whether it's fighting or sparring, and I've been with top operators and I've been with good lads and bad lads. But I've never been outmatched. I've never been uncomfortable in the ring. I've often been bent in the ring. I was knocked down in the ring. I've always got up, but I've never been uncomfortable in the ring. And I'm not going to be uncomfortable in the ring on uh, on Saturday night. There's nothing that he can do to me that hasn't been done to me already. You know, I have my my I've lost. I, I've my my um, undisputed record is gone. I you know I've I've no weight to carry. He's the prospect. He's the one that has to show that he's the that he's the next big thing. I'm taking a chance that was handed to me. I was I was. I was contemplating retirement for the last three years with no no fight. But I obviously would never have done it. But it came into my head more often than it didn't. Yeah. So he has a big mission on his hands because if he beats me, who'd he beat? He bet a paddy that came over on the boat that was on the couch for the last three years. He, doesn't, he won't even get the recognition. But that's not gonna, it's not even going to come to that. But he has a lot more to lose than I have. I can only gain... I had nothing up to this and I'm here now ready to take the
0: shot. Well, as we were a couple of years ago on the show, we'll be cheering you on, Ray, over the weekend. Um, fair play to you for taking the call this morning. If you were any more relaxed there, you'd be uh, lying on the bed. So, good man. Keep that up. Good luck with the way, in and uh, more importantly, best of luck tomorrow night.
5: Uh, thank you very much Les. After all, you've been very good to me over the over the years and uh, even through the pandemic as you mentioned with the, with the push-ups as well so delighted to be on and uh, thank you very much for all the coverage and best of luck to you all
0: we'll talk to you when you have the W in the bank next week good man Not please great. God see you
5: soon lads. thank thanks you thanks a
0: lot Ray Moilette in action this weekend Dalton Smith it's in Leeds and it's on his own and uh, you got to be you've got to be cheering that guy on uh, some comments have come in to us uh, Richard Redball saying that Westmeath is best known for being on the way to Galway uh, John Wayne is still on acid uh, good man no quiz anymore he's wondering next
4: week be back next week sorry about that John Wayne on acid
0: and Rom says Barry is the kind of guy that'll predict a Mayo loss and a, and a Keegan red card this weekend after interviewing him <laughs> <laughs> is that the reputation I have yes as Joe the producer back. Joe this morning points out he says that he's highlighting my ability to maintain professional detachment and objectivity <laughs>
2: Yes, and, that's exactly
0: uh, what he's doing. I can get on board with that. Today's competition winner, by the way, Dunica Lynch. Good morning to you, Dunica. You're going to the TikTok Six Nations tie between Ireland and Wales tomorrow. Quarter to five of the RDS. And if you want to head along to support Ireland, by the way, just remember, tickets still available at ticketmaster.ie. And our overall winner of the day of the week of the stay at the stunning Intercontinental Hotel, a stone's throw from the RDS, is... Oshin Tormi, good man. Oshin won a bit earlier in the week. And uh, enjoy that weekend and enjoy the game. And uh, thank you. On, enjoy your own weekend. Yeah, take care, and you teamless too. teamless tie against Tyrone. Enjoy it. OTB
3: AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.